And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to Flashback Fridays. I am David K. Montoya. Okay, before we even get started with the draws today, let me just tell you what's going on. Um, there's some activity going on in the house. We're just around the corner from Christmas, and I've actually been trying to wait for some quiet time to get some recording done. Uh, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. So what we're going to do is we're just going to try to ignore this background noise. Um, I'm joined with my little daughter, Zoe. She's right now enjoying kind of a brunch. And like I said, other people are just running around, having a good time. But the show must go on. So welcome back to Flashback Fridays. I am your host, David K. Montoya. And what we do here, if you're brand new to the show, is we'll go into our library of podcasts. We're going to pull three podcast shows and we're going to listen to them and enjoy them and then just put the Wayback Machine where we found it after we're done. Okay, so without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into Flashback Friday. Okay, let's got my little bucket here full of all these podcasts. So let's just mix it up really good. And the first podcast of the day. Let's see what this is. is the movie madhouse special number two okay pulling up a little bit of my info on this this is special number two is all about firefly and serenity it was recorded august 22nd this year 2013 and the synopsis of that is mike rob and jason are joined by special guests laura Tamara, and tally and xander as they explore the verse of Josh Whedon's Firefly TV series and feature movie Serenity. All right, kids, we'll sit back and relax and enjoy the movie Madhouse Firefly Serenity special, recorded August 22nd, 2013. Here we go. Welcome to a very special edition of the movie Madhouse. Yay! Yay! Yay. <laughs> I'm Jason Bashar. I'm Rob Bellamy. And I'm Mike Lutz. And this is the special Firefly slash Serenity episode. Yes. We so, just, just finished watching the Serenity. Yes. Just got out of the theater. Yeah. On the way back home. And uh, we're, we're not alone in the van tonight. So say we need our guests to say hi. Introduce hi. yourselves, guys. Hi. I'm Laura. I'm Taryn. I'm Tally. I'm Xander. And that's everybody. There's seven of us crammed into this little VW bug. <laughs> it's a clown car. <laughs> no, clown driving. Hey. Hey. Oh, cool. <laughs> Don't anger the driver. No. That is true. Generally not a good idea. <laughs> so, we all, like all seven of us, pretty much spent the last week 
review, reviewing our uh, Firefly episodes. Or uh, last few days, or, in the case of a couple or of them. Or one yeah. day. Or, or 14 day. hours. <laughs> <laughs> that is some dedication to get, getting caught up on the... Uh, on the program. Absolutely. Actually, I have to say 15 hours. The first episode's two hours. Yes. yes. So there. Yeah, but it's only 45 minutes if you take out the commercials. So. Oh, that is true. So it's an hour and a half. So, okay, there's math involved. We'll just say 15. <laughs> <laughs> numbers, 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 15. Exactly. So, let's break it down. Okay, we've got Nathan Fillion, Gina Torres... Alan Tudyk, Marina Bacarin, uh, Joel State, Adam Baldwin, Summer Glau, Summer Glau, uh, Sean Mayer, hey, and was Ron that? Glass. Oh, and Ron Glass. Ron okay, Glass. I was going to say, was that nine? Did, 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 did. <laughs> yes, we got to get all nine of them in yeah. there. So, it all kicks off with uh, the pilot episode. Now, if you watch the DVDs, you actually get to watch the series in the proper order that Joss Whedon exactly wanted them to be released in. When it was released on live broadcast, everybody knows they did the train job first, and that just screwed up the timeline from there. Exactly. Then they had to go back, and I think it was a two-parter for the pilot. Yeah, it was. Yep. Now, I didn't watch it when it originally aired, but I remember hearing very quickly about they ran it out of order, and then they kept, I guess they changed its time slot, and changed what night it was on. Considering only eight episodes ever aired, it's hard to screw it up in that amount of time. Well, leave, no it, kidding. leave it to Fox. <laughs> exactly. Fox will find a way to screw up any kind of uh, Joss Whedon programming, because they did the exact same thing with uh, Angel mm-hmm. and uh, Dollhouse. I, I don't know if he was, uh, Dollhouse was on Fox, but Joss just... I don't know, it's something against him that he cannot get a full series run of a fantastically written television program on. Well, I thought it was so funny. Fox says, we want a Joss Whedon show. He can whatever he wants, we'll put it on the air. So he gives them the show, and they say, no, 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 we got to do it this way. You did it no, wrong, Joss. You wanted Joss for a reason, yeah. and then you mucked with it. And yeah. now you know they're kicking themselves. Oh, huge. Oh, I hope so. Because the mouse is digging what Josh is bringing right now. Yeah. Oh, huge. Well, yeah. you know, the box office and the theaters and, you know, one of the most anticipated new shows to come out in the fall. Absolutely. Oh, that's Agents right. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. Zombie Coulson. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that. There, there's a nice picture I saw online. It's got uh, Josh Whedon, it's got Coulson, and it's got Nathan Fillion standing there together. And Josh is kind of holding his hand over uh, Coulson's eyes to disguise that it's Coulson. Okay. <laughs> and like I said, you, it's definitely the actor that played Phil Coulson. There's no mistaking the the bottom half of his face. Yeah. And Nathan Fillion standing there, and I'm just thinking, like, he's going to be on it, too? Oh, that would be so Oh, cool. that would be awesome. Yeah, if Castle be... wasn't doing so good, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, I know. What, what network is Castle on? Uh, TV. Do you know what network? Uh, ABC, I think. ABC? If it is ABC, then it could happen. I bet you... It could be some... Maybe not crossover, but he could... No, but you could probably see a cameo. Yeah, because it's on Global in Canada, and that tends to be ABC in the States. I'm thinking they should have Malcolm Reynolds on the show. 
don't push it. But it'd be funny <laughs> if they did like a, a you know, a, a convention episode. They, they, something happens, they have to go to like a con, and he's there dressed as Malcolm Reynolds, but not as the actor. He's just a fan who's dressed like him. See, now that would be cool. That would be funny. That all right. Let's get let's back, back on track here for the uh, the Firefly Firefly Serenity extravaganza that we uh, <laughs> were telling everybody about. So there was only what fourteen episodes. Fourteen episodes. Fourteen episodes. Eight hit the air. What is your favorite episode of Firefly? That one's an Jason? easy choice for me. Go for Out it. Out of Gas, episode I believe eight. Uh, it's, a, it's a flashback episode. It shows how the crew comes together when Malcolm, how Malcolm first gets Serenity and how he slowly gets each member of the crew. I like that episode just for simply the way it's laid out, where it starts with him falling on the grates, bleeding, yeah. and then it pieces it together bit by bit. Stitching in the different timeline sort of way again. Yes. I don't know. See, I'd have to think, I think mine would be our Mrs. Reynolds. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Taryn. Thank you. That's my favorite. That Saffron is an amazing character that could have gone in a billion different directions. Christina Hendricks, she's a hot commodity on TV. A hot commodity. Easy on the eyes. <laughs> she's on Mad Men, right, Joe? Yeah. But she played such a character in that episode. You know, that soft, demure villager, you know, and then doesn't like know anything. And switch. She's a totally different person. With her confrontation with Anira, it was just on. Oh, yes. You're good. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Okay, Mike, what's yours? Uh, mine. I liked the pilot. I really did. Yeah? Just because it was um, the introduction to the whole world. He... The way Whedon had laid out his vision of that universe, the first, Mm -hmm. and he gave it to you so you knew exactly who everybody was right off the hop. And when you were introduced to uh, Shepard Book, you were thinking one thing. And when when you first saw Simon Tam, you're going, oh, you're a galactic douchebag. So... It was the sunglasses. That's what it So you, uh, you kind of, you go in with a preconceived idea of kind of what everything is going to be and what it looks like, and then it slowly morphs into what it truly is. Yep. And I'm going, okay, that's brilliant writing right there. So I have to go with the pilot episode strictly on being able to learn everything about everybody right off the bat. And you, you instantly start caring about the the, uh, the main cast. That is true. I, I will say I agree with you on that, especially Malcolm himself. Had, he has, like, different sides. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when he's all business, he's all business. And he, generally, he's a good-hearted guy. He's, he's straightforward. He's not going to just kill you blatantly. He's not a psychotic killer or anything like that. But he'll he'll take somebody out if they're in his way. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. That that episode really did show that right off the bat. Yeah. What oh. about back there? Anybody else got an episode they want to chime in about? Well, Joss Whedon on Reddit said that his favorite was Objects in Space. Objects in Space was, was Joss Whedon's favorite. That is good. That is the last episode. Yep. Right before the movie with the bounty hunter Jubal Early. Yes. Yes. 
which, you know, looking back at it with, with recent watches, it, it's the... Well, okay, the uh, the previous episode with the uh, where uh, River shot those guys, like, in defense of the ship or whatever. Oh, that's the, uh, the Heart of Gold one. Not, oh, no, no actually, no, no, no. even no. before that. And the Nishka's space station. War Stories. I can't the name of it. War Stories. War that's Stories. That's the one, yeah. It's, it's, uh, but Objects in Space really really sets up for Serenity in a good way because you really get to see just how gifted River is. Yeah. And especially especially with the, the psychic part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they had... So leading up to the end where they where they did the uh, aerial, where they did... Finally, Simon was able to get the information about what they did to River and then he was able to start working... Uh, medically towards helping her that's when he could see the switch in river into like the more lucid moments and the more deadly river than uh, the weapon what was it the, what we were used to yeah that's where I think Ariel was the one where they, Josh goes alright now we have to badass up river and he did that in spades with uh, oh, that those was... last three shows yes and then, of course, in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie. <laughs> yeah, she does have a bit of fighting in that movie, doesn't she? Just a little bit. Yes. So, now, Xander, what's your favorite episode? Yeah. War Stories. War, War Stories, Stories is Xander's favorite. That is a good one. Yeah. Like I said, just saving Wash and, and uh, Malcolm from Nish, Nitska. Niska. Niska, there we go. Just saving those two. And, and, and the way Malcolm tries to help Wash... Stay. Stay. I'm gonna sleep. I'm gonna sleep with her. I'm gonna <laughs> take her to my bed. I still, I still like the scene when Zoe shows up with a bag full of money, and Niska's trying to get her to long drawn out process of <laughs> now which you, one you must choose. choose. I'll take him. Yep. And He's gonna just, finish the sentence. Yeah. It's just he just out there. Bam. I'm, I'm taking him. I think that shows like the true bond between Zoe and Wash because you don't really see the lovey-dovey in them in their marriage I think it shows that Zoe actually really does love him as like it's not just a fake absolutely and which which as we saw in numerous episodes that well, that was Wash's contention a lot is would she choose Malcolm over him and with that with that action she proved that no he's number one but it also shows that she knows Malcolm can handle himself. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's you know? how I took it. Zoe saved Wash from a sure death. She yeah. knew Mal would be able to survive. Sure, he died, but they brought him back. But he wow. was able, able to overcome. I don't think Wash would have been able to. I just if, don't think he had the, uh, the fight. If Malcolm had been pulled out of there, he would have folded. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And like Zoe even said when she brought Wash back, she goes, Niska's going to want to keep him alive for a couple days. She already knew that. Yeah. And uh, was planning everything accordingly. Yeah, that, and that's Niska, where we, that's a, that was a great recurring character. Would have been probably, I think it would have been really nice to see him in the movie at some point. Not we'll quite see, sure where he would have fit in the story, really. But it would have been nice to see him again. That story arc actually brought about one of my most favorite scenes. Is at the very end of the train job. Oh, where, they, uh, where they have the guy on the ground. Uh, this is all the money. You give it back to him. The guy goes, keep it. You're going to need it because he'll find you. And they kick him. He goes into the engine. Splatter. 
They bring the next guy over, and Mal goes, this is the money. He goes, no, no, I'm with you. You're good. Yep, I agree with you 100%. (laughs) That was beautiful. (laughs) Just excellent writing all the way around. That's Um, the thing about Joss Whedon. His scripts are not like what you'd expect. They're a little bit off kilter. They 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 banter a little more. It's almost natural. Yes. I'll touch I'll touch on the silly version, and it's they're just not normal. Like even just Malcolm's like not even I wouldn't even call them one liners. The way he reacts to things, like in the very first episode when he opens the crate and there's a body, there's there's River, yeah. and his own reaction is. Huh. Yes. This a simple thing like that, you don't see that in a lot of those shows. No. Mm-hmm. They always do like some sort of long speech or it's all like eloquent. Well, even in the movie, when he comes into the, the lounge there and Jane's all up in arms, he goes, what, you want to be captain? Jane goes, yeah. He goes, well, you can't. Yeah, well, you know, like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Yes. Like I said, very natural conversation. They seem like real connectable people, even though it's placed almost 500 years Exactly. You can still manage to connect to them. Yeah. And their reactions. Like in our Mrs. Reynolds, when Saffron, now that you're done your dinner, do you want me to wash your feet? He doesn't say anything. He just looks and just walks away. Exactly. He has no reaction to that. Exactly. There was no banter, like you said, Jason. It's just the reaction. It, it all boils down to picking the right actor for that role. And Nathan Fillion as Malcolm Reynolds, I think to do that, he like he's always got a role for life. Everybody will always see him as Malcolm Reynolds. Yep. Just the same as you've got um, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, and everybody so has their role. Yeah. You just, I just can't see another actor bringing that kind of uh, cachet to the role that Nathan Fillion did to Malcolm Reynolds. He played... It, to me, it seemed like he was the everyman. Yep. And he's just trying to survive. He's doing everything he can to survive and keep everybody in the air and flying. And what will be to the person that crosses Mal or hurts his crew in any way? Exactly. Like you said, it's just looking after me and mine. But he is the everyman, and especially in the movie... He's he's not a tough guy, like not a tough fighter. He's great with a gun, yes, no. but he gets his ass handed to him a lot. <laughs> he just keeps getting back up. But see, that makes him tough. Like he's gonna, he's gonna be the last guy standing in any fight that he gets into because he's so damn tough. Yep. Like he may not be the most physically intimidating guy. He's not Jane by any stretch of the imagination. But he will beat Jane every time they fight because he will get up more than Jane will. Yep. That's my take on Mal. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Zoe Zoe is probably the scariest of them all. Oh, man, yes. And, like, she's just... That's one one person you never see get angry. No, but... Until the movie... No, and not even so much in the movie. Like, you, you see the darkness coming, but I don't think you fully see it. It's the quiet ones you have to be worried about. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah exactly. Like, even again in the movie when they're in the lounge and Jane starts bad-mouthing the Battle of Serenity, she just says, you want to leave this room right now. Yeah. 
because bad things are about to happen if Jane kept talking. Exactly. So, and I don't think anybody can stop Zoe uh, once she gets going. If, oh, no. If she really got going, I don't think there's any stopping her until she's dead. Nothing in the verse. Nope. Nope. No power in the verse can stop me. Nope. Okay, well, now, since we're going down characters, I guess you'd say Wash would be next. Wash. I love Alan, too. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen him anything I didn't love him in. He has a wit. I don't know if it's written for him or if it's him, but his characters always have that wit. No, it's it's him. It's definitely the actor coming out. Now, you know, uh, in The Knight's Tale. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. You know, he's, he, he, he just plays that bumbling, not, not maybe not bumbling, but just uh, angry idiot. Yes. Pain, lots of pain. Yep, that's his not answer to everything. Ugly, but, he's, but he's ready for a fight. Don't cross him, and he's always hungry. Same in 28 days. Yes. 28 days, yeah. The recovering uh, alcoholic. Yeah, hurts. Yes. Uh, Can't keep a plan alive. Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. He was the straight man in that. That one. was fantastic. <laughs> that was a funny movie. I Have you seen that? I have not seen oh, that you one. you have to see that. It's the Psycho uh, psycho Redneck, Psycho Hillbilly type movie. Flipped it. Yes. Really? Yes. Taken from a different perspective a different yeah. angle it's so well done it is something like it is an original take on that it's basically you have um alan tudyk and oh, the guy that played the uh, the funny guy in reaper the big guy um i i can never remember his name he, his name his name was sock on reaper yeah the best friend the chubby best friend I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. Right, but I cannot I remember his name. I can picture him. him. Never remember his name. Yeah. yeah. He hasn't done a whole lot. No. No. He well. And anyway, so they just play two good friends going up to uh, Alan Tudyk's uncle left him a cottage or something like that up in the woods, a cabin up in the woods, and they're going to fix it up because that's going to be their new hangout place. Well, they kind of run afoul of a. Of your SUV full of atypical horror movie uh, characters. The college kids out for a party. Yeah, you got your John, your slut, the stoner, the, okay. the, everything. So they kind of run afoul of them at a gas station. And according to like every other crazy hillbilly movie, that's when the hillbillies start going after the kids for mm-hmm. revenge. Okay. Tyler Labine. That's, that's his name. Tyler Labine, yeah. Thank you, Billy. So. They get to, Tyler and uh, Allie get to the cabin, they start fixing up the cabin, well, the kids get, they do the thing and everything gets hot, and the one kid freaks out that, oh, those, they're, in the, and they're in the woods and they're going to kill us, and all of a sudden, the kids start bumping themselves off in the most horrific ways. <laughs> it's all accidental. It's all accidental, because they they think that they're, the, the hillbillies are coming after them, and the hillbillies, like, they had, there's a wood chipper scene <laughs> it's just uh, it's, it, it, the, I think it was uh, Alan Tudyk is throwing stuff into the wood chipper and this one I think it was the jock was going to go tackle him and take him out well Alan moves and the jock jumps right into the wood chipper oh man so Alan goes he just committed suicide kind of <laughs> these kids are on a murder suicide pact yeah Oh, it is a fantastic movie okay I think you sold me I gotta check it out yeah. it is definitely different <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, now we go to uh, next. Jewel State. 
Kaylee. Kaylee. Who has got to be the absolute heart and soul? Oh, big time! Of uh, serenity. Yeah, just she's she's the pure innocent one. Yes. Uh, yes. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say innocent. Well, innocent, <laughs> innocent. Other than the fact that she likes sex. Yes. Yeah, and that with the doctor. Well, <laughs> our, our first introduction to Kaylee is in um, Out of Gas. Oh, when she's first introduced to the ship. When she's first introduced to the ship by yep. the original mechanic. Because they're banging away in the engine room. Yep. Not so innocent there. And he there. says something's wrong. He says, no, that's not the problem. I noticed the problem when I was laying on my back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Kaylee, Kaylee is the, I think she's is the heart and soul of that group. I don't think Mal would be able to function on it, like, after bad events happen without Kaylee. I think Kaylee's kind of like Mal's rock. Because anytime Mal has something bad happen... Kaylee's right there comforting him. She is the silver she, lining she girl. Put the smile back on his face. Yeah. Yep. Even with her first introduction to Book, when they're standing outside on Persephone. Yes. She goes, yeah. you want to come in our ship, because you don't care where you're going. You know, I can see that about you. You're not looking at destinations. You're looking at the ships, and our ship's the nicest. Yep. yep. And we have uh, Adam Baldwin as Jane <laughs> Cobb. Jane. The greatest Baldwin in Hollywood <laughs> history. Screw the the other Baldwins. He's not related well, to them. That's just it. They're clones. He's different. Yes. They all look the same. He is Adam Baldwin. And he's been great for decades. Yes. He's been in Academy Award winning movies. He's been in a ton of great TV shows. Oh, yeah. He was in X-Files for uh, the last couple years. Yeah, yeah. He was in X-Files. He was on Chuck. Yeah. yeah. He was great in Chuck. I think he brought some of his role from Firefly into Chuck. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he got and to I play that hard ass. I see it, like, because I've seen Firefly before I watched Chuck. Well, and see, that's the one thing about this particular cast. You look at them and listen to them, they always say that this was the show they were all born to play. Yeah. So from this point on, anything that they do is a reflection of it, because they love those characters so much. I still, I, I believe when you look at the the character that he that Adam Baldwin played in Chuck and Jane Cobb, the character that he played in Chuck was not as uh, bumbling as Jane seemed to be. Not okay. as bumbling, and he had he had pure loyalty. Yes. Yes. Okay. James got that money. But he was still, you know, the tough-as-nails gun knight. Oh, yeah. Ready, ready, itching for a fight. Yep. Uh, still, I don't know. Nothing nope. beats Jane in Jane'stown. <laughs> That's... The man the hero called Kenton. Jane. The hero of Canton. Especially when he's getting ready to go to Canton for the first time. He's got the hat on, the goggles. <laughs> Giant eye. Even Mal does a double take. But when they see that statue, Simon's like, this must be what madness feels like. <laughs> yep. Great lines. Uh, okay. Uh, After Jane. Uh, Nara. Uh, Nara. Marina yes. Beautiful. Stunningly beautiful. And she was not the original person to play that. No? Really? No, it was, uh, what's her name? Gayheart. Um, oh, Rebecca Gayheart. Rebecca Gayheart. That's who they picked up for. That's who they originally had picked for her. I don't recognize that name. Um, oh, crapsicle. Hi. Uh, uh, damn it. Um, she was in those movies with the things. <laughs> yes. The, the guy on the screen and the stuff with the yes. movies. Oh, okay. I, okay, I got anyway, it now. She didn't get it, but Marie no. Bacarin did. And I'm ultimately glad that she did. 
Oh, because yes. she's infinitely hotter than Rebecca Gayhart. She's well, hotter, but she's also has a very innocent-looking face to her. Yes, those eyes, those big dark eyes. Yes, and that worked in the in an opposite direction on her role on the new V. Well, yeah, that's leader. true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, was, it was creepy to see her in that role. <laughs> well, also because she had short hair. Like, she looked totally different from Inara. Yes. You know, just menacing. But it was still her, and yeah, that's the word. She was menacing on V. But, like, Inara, like you said, with with, uh, with her audition, apparently she came in, the very next day she reread, and the third day she was on set. That's how fast it moved for her. <laughs> Well, he said she Josh saw something and he definitely went for he went for the goal on that one and he did a fantastic job. What I find amazing is it's so hard to get chemistry between two or three people in a show. Yeah. He got chemistry between nine people. Yeah. You know? That it's gotta be like a Guinness World Record. Yeah. Well, now we have uh, Sean Mayer, Simon, Simon Tam. Tam. The um, Medical prodigy, I guess you would call him, that gave up everything to rescue his sister. And in all honesty, Sean Mayer, I've never seen him before this show. And honestly, I haven't seen him since. I don't. Well, as I had said it earlier, the only t- really thing that I think I've seen him in, but him and Jewel State did uh, one episode stint on uh, Warehouse 13 as a couple. Okay, so yes. Simon and Kaylee. <laughs> We're a got, couple on Warehouse 13. Finally got married. Well, and something I don't know if you know, but uh, at the very end of Serenity, when they're standing on the rock there at the very end, and yeah. Kaylee's got that necklace around her neck, that's the Chinese symbol for marriage oh. around her neck. So it is very strongly hinted at that they've already been married oh, in that. Cool. Yes. All right. Then, okay. After Simon, I guess, would be? River. River. Yes, Summer Glau. Summer Glau. The Terminator. Oh. Yes, she I actually never watched went on. it, but I know she was the Terminator. The only time I ever saw her in a Terminator reference was on Big Bang Theory. <laughs> and then that was just on a train and she was trying to get away from Wallowitz. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think that counts. But as River Tam, you see the, the true prodigy, the true mental genius that she was and then she gets chewed up by the government to be turned into a weapon exactly and Summer Glau was amazing pulling that off her acting ability just (laughs) knocked it out of the park every time degree of difficulty for the nine people I'd say she had the hardest yes Yes. because she went from almost psychotic to completely lucid well she was a with a a 60 kind of character yes and like you said it didn't take very much for her to go from zero to 60 and then back. Yep. And you just went, okay, like... And to be completely random. Yeah. The, and her, in the movie, the chase scene with the Reavers. Yes. Gets in the ship and everything stops. They pan at her and she says, I think I swallowed a bug. <laughs> Such a innocent... <laughs> oh, I there's, an, there's an actress who's... Uh, I, I, uh, I'm going to say she's kind of breaking out right now, who's really showing that same kind of uh, potential. It's the lead actress on the new show Orphan Black, Tatiana Maslany. She, she's, it, it's a show about clones. There's, so far, I, I think we've seen like seven different versions of this girl. Uh-huh. She's playing all these different versions of herself. 
And there was a bit of a behind-the-scenes thing I'd seen where one of her co-stars said, you can tell which character they're shooting that day by the way she just walks into the room. Because she's got each different clone has their own way of movement, their own mannerisms. See, now that's everything. cool. And it, really, the first time I saw her doing that, it really did bring me back to River Town. And how quickly she would switch moods and change from the innocent little girl to a dangerous weapon. And slicing up uh, different members of the crew at a moment's notice. And Poor Jane. Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when she came out with a butcher knife? Yep. Yeah, butcher did, knife. Yeah, she didn't hurt nobody. <laughs> well, nobody we couldn't knife. afford to lose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that said, she, that the Summer Glow character, River Tan, it just, I would have just loved, actually, for all nine that we can say, I would have loved to see where everything was going to go with all these characters. Oh, yeah. Okay, my, the big mystery of this Ron Glass, Reverend Book, yes. Shepherd Book. What was he? They oh. hint at it three times in the show. Huge once hints. in the movie, and once in the movie yeah. that he was—he's not a, sh- a normal shepherd. No, no. He said you, his tactical knowledge that he brought to some of the situations. You're going. What yeah. Is, what is this guy? Even when he got shot. Yes. They pull up to the Alliance cruiser that, and boom, in he goes. Yeah, they just took him with no questions asked. Just get him to Med Bay. There's a huge storyline there that's that's never been... And even in uh, Objects in Space, the, the bounty hunter flat out says to Simon, that ain't no shepherd. Uh-huh. I'd so, to read a book or something that, like, if Joss Whedon were to write a book that explained Shepherd Book's history and his past, I would read that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd be all over that like a fat kid on a Smarty. I would read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That'd speaking be like of a... M&M's, did you bring uh, Christina her M&M's? Oh, oh. So anyway, back to the cast. What <laughs> <laughs> do you know? I think okay. we... We have... I, I would say there's a tenth character that we have to consider. Absolutely. Serenity, the ship itself. Exactly. Now, I don't know about the movie, and I'm all, I really wonder, because that first opening scene is like one solid shot following Mal through the ship, yep. you know? But I know on the show, it was actually built as two complete sets. There was the upper deck and the lower deck, two completely different sets. 90% of the time when they weren't shooting, they were all in the lounge on the ship instead of in the green room. Yeah. That's where they hung out. Well, why not? Exactly. It was functional. Yes. But that ship, they got so versatile, you know, especially with the design of it. Yes. Definitely different than uh, any other ship you see. Oh, yeah. I'd say the closest uh, spaceship of any, like, TV or movie that I've seen anything like that, closest thing that comes to mind would be the Millennium Falcon. Yes. As a, as a, as a Just home in, in space. Design. Oh, like, okay. As a home in space. I would have to agree with the Millennium Falcon. It's not. It's not straight corners. It's. Uh, it's got nooks. It's got crannies. Not like you know smuggler it, holes. Yeah. Not like the. Um, what are they called? The, the blockade runner. The, the rebel ship at the beginning of the first Star Wars movie. Yeah. Oh, it, it, looked, it looked all clean cut. It looked. You know. Yeah. Well, it's dirty and used. Well, see, that's just that was the draw of Star Wars at that point. I think that's the draw of Joss Whedon's universe here. It's not a pristine universe. 
it's a broken universe. It's, you know, it's things are worn out. It's taped together. It's, you know... You're falling apart. Well, yeah. <laughs> things were falling off in the movie. But yeah, it's it's an actual thing. Like, you could look at it and say, yep, oh, well, that's where it got hit that day, and oh, there's where this bounced off of it. And, yep. You know, it was nicely set up. Oh, absolutely. Uh, okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're still running on uh, a mobile phone here, so... Uh, we're just checking time, but you got to enter a pass key. And, uh, uh, we'll just keep talking about it for a second. We're, we're probably <laughs> close to 40 minutes. There we go. Yes. There we go. Okay. What are we looking at there? Okay. It is telling me uh, 33 minutes and 34 seconds. Right. Yes. Right. Pretty good. I hope I got that. Uh, all right. So we kind of broke down the characters. Um talked about our favorite episodes. Now, what I like, really liked about the show was the dialogue between all the characters. Um, they talked like everybody would talk. Like I said, the chemistry. Yes. It's and, just... You know, especially Kaylee, she came from a small, like, backwater village type planet. Yeah. So she didn't really have schooling. So you can just hear every time she talked, she didn't. She may not have used proper grammar. Like I don't she, think anybody on that ship used proper grammar. Contracted. <laughs> you know, she used a little bit of different slang. I like that. <coughs> I think it was in um, uh, Shindig when Kaylee dressed up and she became the center of attraction. Yeah. When she was talking about ships. Yeah. And her. Such an in-depth knowledge of ships and the mechanics of ships. That's what, like, you, you go, okay. You don't expect that from her. Oh no, not at all. And then said she starts laying science down on everybody about <laughs> these ships, and they get blown away. And she uh, and she's like doing that, talking about the ships. Yeah, and the the the, two, the two thousands. Ah, that's just the one thousand with a with a different paint job. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, that's just it. It's like she even says it in the lounge, I think. It's just when engines are broken, she knows what's wrong. Yeah. It's just a natural they thing for her. her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Engines talk to her. That's what. She, that's how she described it. It's just a natural ability. And, okay, I don't know where I was going with that. But it's a natural <laughs> ability. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. She's just like, as, as mechanically inclined as she is, you have to say Simon is more medically inclined. Because those two... Each person had a job on that boat. Yep. And you couldn't really have them cross with each other because nobody was as good as the person that was assigned to that job. Mm-hmm. Because nobody could put a ship together like Kaylee. Uh, nobody could fly like Wash. Yep. And nobody could fight like Mal Jane and uh, Zoe. Mm-hmm. Nobody was doctoring like Simon. No. And nobody was preaching like a book. Exactly. They nobody all. Nobody was, was nearly as crazy as River. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Xander. <laughs> River touches in a whole bunch of different areas <laughs> that way. <laughs> it's like a family. That's exactly what it was. First time oh, yeah. for me seeing this in English, it was like sitting down, having a discussion with your family, and watching the siblings go at it. Like this. Wait a minute. What does Anara do? 
So, well, um, skip that. What's the rating on this particular show today? <laughs> well, we've already always have the explicit tag. So. Yeah. She gives well, respect. Like I said, she, she gives respect. Yeah. Well, that was it. She got that ship into places that normally it could not go. Yeah. Because we said she's the ambassador, the, the, com- the companion mythos, I guess you could call it. Yep. Uh, it gives it the air of respectability. That she was apparently was very popular. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she seemed to be at the top of her game no matter where she went. Yep. And well, like like Laura said, this was one giant family. They put the fun in dysfunctional. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say, I think that was the one. I think um, when Mal kicked Jane out of, off the table the one time when he was starting to run down uh, Kaylee. Yep. Getting all looped up over a doctor. Exactly. Yeah. Walk away from my table. Yep. That, you know you're in shit when you get kicked <laughs> out of the uh, the kitchen. Time out, Jane. Or when <laughs> time out. Mal locked him in, in the airlock. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yep. Ariel. Ariel. Yeah. Yep. Locked him in the airlock. There's where his timeout chair is. It's now in the airlock. <laughs> you know if you cross any of my crew, you're crossing me. Yeah. So yep. there, like, it shows that he's like, he's like the dad of the family. The father right? figure. He keeps everyone in check, and he cares for everybody. It doesn't matter if they're, if it's the doctor and his psychopath sister. <laughs> well, yeah, because even in the movie, when they get rid of him, and then she goes, you know. He still brings her back. Brings her back. You can't leave him out there like that. Nope. Even if he doesn't know why. Exactly. Even he doesn't know why, but that's just who he is. So they all, he said, it was a show of family. They were all scattered until Serenity brought them all together. Exactly. And I think Serenity has to get a lot more credit for keeping that crew together. Because the they ship all fall itself. in love with the ship. Absolutely. Because they all depend on the ship. Y'all love that ship, mm-hmm. and we said without that ship, they become separate and nothing. Well, the ship was uh, a part of the ship was the main reason why Jane joined the crew. He got his own room. Yes, yes that's true. <laughs> I get my own bunk. Yes. <laughs> and his his bunk is set up kind of nice. Got that false wall there with all the weapons yeah, behind it. Yeah. <laughs> his blanket. Yep. So for the movie, they kind of. I think they played with the timeline a little bit. Um, they did. Just because I think there was such a gap between when the show aired and when the, the movie hit. Three years. Three years. So you have to make the, the, the Simon and River storyline fresh again. Like, Simon... I'm trying to figure out... Okay. They did alter it a bit. Yeah, they did alter it a bit because they basically told Simon what they were doing to River in the movie. Which contradicts what happened in the show, but exactly. they needed that for the movie. Because remember, yes. the movie was, wasn't was just for the Firefly fans. No. It was supposed to draw the new, a fresh audience. Yeah. yeah. So they had to throw get just get that quick plot points out there yeah. from the show. And let's move on. And it was good storytelling, too, to have Simon there say, here, I'm here to rescue a river, and... Whereas in that pilot episode, he said it took all of his money, he paid these people, and they brought River to him in that crate. Yeah. yeah. 
you know? Well, you see, that also sets up the operative to say why, like I said, when the, the, one, the one doctor goes, well, that's mad, it was just pure madness to throw it away. And the operative goes, look at his face, that's love. Mm-hmm. That's not anything any of us wouldn't do for our, our own sibling or our loved one or whatever. We would do exactly what Simon did. And that's uh, that's how they perfectly springboard that movie into, uh, into yeah. uh, where it's going. The biggest thing that I, I I was so happy that they delved into in the movie was the Reavers. We They just hinted at the Reavers on the show. Yeah. Always curious, what exactly are the Reavers? Well, they kept saying in the show that they were the people that went to the edge of space and went mad. But they almost, they almost kind of implied at one point, at least that I felt like it, that they were almost more zombie-like, not well, rampaging like they are. I, well, I, I kind of got the zombie vibe off of the way they were described in one of the episodes. What was that one episode called? Safe? No, no, that was the witch one. The one where they find the ship and there's only one survivor. Bushwhacked. 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 There we go. That is a good one. That, when he turns himself into a reaver, there's no zombies thing there. He's all over the place. Yeah. But see, the, 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 the visuals of what he'd done to himself went by so quick, it was really hard to make out for me. Well, Jane says, they're all cutting on, the, cutting on his face and stuff like that. Yep. So it's... And even when they pull him out of there, they accuse the, the crew of Serenity of assaulting him, basically, because his tongue is cut out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the uh, the re- the Reavers are um, the the boogeyman that scares everybody. Yep. <laughs> That's even referenced in there. Jane says that. Yep. And even even the Alliance are afraid of them. Oh yeah. Because the big climax of Serenity when they when they come barreling through the Ion Cloud. That is the they best. Immediately switch targets. The best visual in that movie is that. Serenity comes out of the cloud. Everybody's ready to fire at Serenity. And then this other army pours out of the cloud behind them. It's beautiful. It's an army of their own making. Yes. yes. But they didn't know that, of course. This is true. Yes. But that thing, you got to... But that's again, irony for you. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That is... In the, uh, you got to hand the uh, visual designers of, that, of the ships and whatnot. You got to give them some great props because the Reaver ships... We're all so weird and clunky, and they all work different. You see the ones that kind of lasso the other ships and swing them out of orbit. And, yeah. you know, it looks like they're pieced together, like they just kind of mash. Which they are. That's that's exactly it. Just enough to get them to fly. Yeah. yeah, that's why um, when Mal told them to just get the pieces of the ship that um, Shepard had shot down. To stick on to Serenity just to make the Reavers think, yep. yeah, they just smushed a whole bunch of pieces of metal together. Cut it open where it won't make a difference. And, yep. Yep. I, it's just... That whole series, the TV series, it's a crying shame that it uh, died as quick as it did. Yes. It is just like, like a robbery to science fiction and good TV fans... All over the world, it's just like handled properly. That could have gone on many seasons. Oh, absolutely. And there's there's never ever been an explanation as to why they messed with it like they did. Why is there? Just, no, that's going to be a, a secret that'll go down forever. But I do have to say, 
one of the best April Fool's pranks was perpetrated on Firefly fans. Netflix. Oh, Netflix. Oh, Netflix yes. this year. Yeah. On the bottom of the Firefly tab, they put the new episodes. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> <It's> horrible. <laughs> what a tease. Yeah. So nicely done. Yeah. So that was probably one of the one of the greatest pranks I had uh, I had ever heard. Well, see, I think both the TV show and the movie, unfortunately. Well, I can't say the TV show, but the movie kind of did itself in, only in the fact that they were planning on multiple movies. So, of course, every actor coming in had to sign multiple contracts, you know. Two of them could not commit. So... Two of them died. Yes. So... (laughs) Yes. Two of the main characters are killed off in this. When I... And I, I think I was speaking to Jason about this. I think that's what pushed people away from the movie, is it broke up the crew. It broke up the family. Well, even even still, like uh, you look at uh, some of the. I think it was in Objects in Space. They already say uh, Shepard Book has left the ship, so they'd already just started to break up. And Inara had left too. Exactly. So they're already starting they to break up the crew. Years. But yeah. you have to remember that's on a TV show getting ready for a second season. This yeah. is a movie, and they are... Yeah. Like, well, as we saw in the movie, Inara was gone from the ship at the end of the series. Yep. She's I, back. Yeah. I don't think... I think in their heart of hearts, they knew that they were only going to get one movie. I really do. I yeah. do. I don't... I, I, I personally feel, they like said, that's why Josh killed... Or Joss killed Book and Wash. Oh, you, you think it was for the story? Yeah. Okay, because the, at the end of the series, Joss talks about Zoe and Wash and says that is the couple that he's always dreamed of in TV, and that's a couple he wants to take further and would never split them apart in his interview. Yeah. But he. In the movie, though, like I said, it, it, basically those two could not confirm multiple movies. And Joss had to write around them in the event that a second movie came around. So that probably broke his heart to do that. Oh, yes. I'm assuming I'm going to the right spot. Yep. To your place. Yep. All right. Well, I think uh, we're, we're... We're getting close here. We're at the 47-minute mark. I think we're at... We're not that far away from my house. Like, you keep driving around the block. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, just before we wrap up, what's the the, the newbies? What's your perspective on Firefly Serenity? Hal? Amazing. I was really impressed. I had seen it in German, and it's not even close. (laughs) Because of the translation? It it, it loses a lot in translation. They they don't understand sarcasm in Europe, (laughs) so a, a lot of the jokes just... Didn't make sense. Explains why they don't get Americans. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Xander? I was very upset because I knew that it was only one season. After the first, after that one season was done, I was just very upset that I couldn't watch any more other than the movie. I I am with you there, one hundred percent. Taryn. I've always loved Firefly. My dad got me into it a few years ago now. I've rewatched the season a few times. I've watched the movie 
I don't know how many times. So I caught up in the past few days knowing I was coming. I've always really loved it. Because it, I think it's, like, as you're saying, it's a good sci-fi, but I think it speaks other than sci-fi. Like, you don't, I'm not a huge sci-fi fan, but I can still, I still love Firefly and Serenity. I think it falls back to what Laura said. It's a big family. Because I know, going back and watching it, it feels like home. Like, this, this is what I was meant to do, was watch Firefly. And while you know, it does fall under the sci-fi category, in my opinion, there's not much sci-fi to it. Yeah, there's the spaceship, but it's not like we see interstellar space battles and whatnot. No, the, the ship, the they, they can be in the back of a truck yeah. or on a boat. In the whole series, I think there's only one laser. Yeah. They have laser guns. Oh, laser sorry. Guns. Two, that's right. They had the yeah. prototype, and then what's-his-name's-got one there on uh, Heart of the There was actually oh, the, the Alliance uses laser guns every once in a while. Do they? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but then, it, I think you more see the classic original yeah. guns because the the laser guns I think are more for the central planets, the rich folk. Ah, yeah. very good. So if you're flying, like doing odd jobs, you've got the gun you've had forever. Passed down. Bullets are cheaper than batteries, apparently. Oh yeah. Alrighty. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us for now. Yeah. So. Our, our second ever special yes. episode. Um, I like doing these special episodes. I really do. Being able to focus on one thing and really give it our our all attention. Uh, I, I would like to think we can do some more somewhere along the line. But yeah, I think it's time we got we got to put Firefly and Serenity to bed, boys. Yeah, one two. Yeah. Well, if you have any more suggestions, get a hold of us. The Movie Madhouse at gmail.com. Yeah, you can also look for us on iTunes, on the Facebook page, the Movie Madhouse Facebook page, on Stitcher, and uh, or yeah, the Movie Madhouse.com for uh, to listen to the latest podcast. So I guess we're gonna wrap it up for tonight. So for Mike. And Rob. And Jason. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Bye. And you gotta do the passcode. Okay, so we're not completely over yet, because I can't hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll eventually have this in the can here. And there you have it, the Movie Madhouse Serenity Firefly Special. And if any of you were actually curious about this, yes, they were recording in a moving vehicle. Um, I... I from what I get out of it, they seen the newest movie and they were so inspired that they actually recorded right there. And, you know, they had the portable gear. So, as per usual, it was very good, very insightful. And, and of course, for the Movie Madhouse guys, very entertaining. All right. Moving right along for this Christmas season, uh, we're going to dive right back into the Barrel of Library podcast and all that good jazz. And we're going to dig in and find out what is going to be episode number two for Flashback Fridays. All right, let's see. We're shifting, 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 shifting. And let's see. I've got one here. Actually, there's a bunch of them stuck together. All right. Wow, there's like a whole crap load of them stuck together. 
Come on. Okay, let me put them in because there was like a good five or six of them stuck together. So, and I opened them all up, and I, I when I was taking them out, I seen the the title. So, I, I want them to be want it to be much as a surprise to me as to you. So, let's just take a peek. Here's a good one. All right. So, the second podcast that we're going to listen to today is what we think number five. All right, and the synopsis is. What we think number five, the new segments are here, recorded July 1st, 2013, and the synopsis reads, Sadie and Dave begin the promised segments, such as the email brown bag special, saying goodbye, geek news, and the helping hand. All right, this is going to be funny if memory serves me correctly, so let's go ahead and sit back and relax and enjoy what we think number five from July 1st, 2013. And I'll see you when we're done. It's Monday night, so let's find out what the fuck we think. I'm David K. Montoya. And I am S. Sadie Burbank. We are back at you live in beautiful Apple Valley, California. Well, I guess I couldn't say really beautiful. Oh, yes, it's beautiful. You know, the desert's an acquired taste. That's true. And I think it's beautiful. But then I think the inside of a brown paper sack is beautiful. (laughs) I'm happy most of the time, so... Um, tonight we're coming out with, because this is the first time since episode number one of William Burbank that we actually use two mics. Oh yeah, we're back to the two mic thing. So hopefully this comes out nice, because one of the things that I've noticed as recording and and doing doing the editing Mm -hmm. is that when I take out the background noise, Mm -hmm. it drops it like two or three decibels. Mm -hmm. So, because we're at least, what, you'd say six inches to a foot away from the mic, you know, normally. A man's six inches or a woman's? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, That should make it more audible for the listeners. As to before... We put it in the center of the table, and then we kind of have to lean in and as we speak. So uh, that was one of the things that was really bothering me, uh, well, because we're approaching our six months of podcasting. We ought to have it together by now. Yes. <laughs> so hopefully this episode will come out a lot more better, a lot more better. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's even better than better. Yes, more better. More, more better is much better than better. Mm. So, how have you been this week? How have I been this week? Let me think. Let me think. I guess I must have been okay if I have to think that hard about it. Let me think. Let's see. We went to a birthday party Saturday. Two birthday parties, actually. What is it with the first Saturday of June? It's funny because the second party we went to, there was another couple there. And they said they had to go to another party later. It's weird. Like, everybody's having parties. Anyhow, we went to a birthday party, one for a little one-year-old baby girl, mm-hmm. cute as a button, and then one for a guy who lives across the street from us. It was fun. It was nice. It was a cool day. Well, it was, it was actually very hot. But I was cool. I had a long dress on, and it was blowing in the wind, and it, was, it felt cool, and it was fun. Speaking of birthdays, mm-hmm. I'm expecting my birthday present to be coming in the mail very soon. Ooh, good. Via Amazon. Oh, good. And I'm looking 
forward to getting all the little gadgets and gasms. I I got stuff from my my iPhone. Oh, oh, cool. So that's okay. What, that was kind of what we decided on. Lacey and I were. I was trying to figure out what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. to be honest with you, I was going to spend it on podcasting gear. <laughs> and Lacey, well, that would have been okay. It's your, you know, it's your thing to do what you want to with. And Lacey you know. made a good point. She's like, it's you know, they got it for your birthday, something for you specifically. For you specifically. So, but, yeah. so oh, that's like, cool. Okay. And and you that's know, cool. like on my phone, I have that little um, light blue case that wraps around the phone to protect it. Okay. Well, my favorite color, oddly enough, is gray. I love gray. Oh, how interesting. Gray and metallic is my favorite color. Wow. So I actually have, instead of it being a plastic blue cover, it's going to be a metallic silver cover oh. that goes over it. So I'm very, really stoked about very that. Very cool. That's very interesting. I don't think that I've ever knowingly spoken to anyone whose favorite color was gray. Yes. That's... And how long have I known you now? And I didn't know that about you. It'll be 10 years in July. Really? Yes. My gosh, time flies when you're having fun. Well, that's good. I'm glad you got yourself some goodies to play with. Eventually, you'll get speakers for your stereo, I suppose. I'll get there. Yeah. Oh, hey, it's your stereo. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, so, we're going to... I, I've been promising this for three episodes now. This is episode number four. I've been telling everybody we're going to get to the emails. We're going to get to the emails, and this segment is we're going to get to the emails. <laughs> but this segment I call the brown paper email bag. Oh, that's cute. All right. Okay. I, I've got to come up with a jingle right now. We don't have no jingles for it, but I'll, I'll come up oh, with something. Oh, like letters. We get letters. Yeah, something like that. That was Perry Como's thing, but then I digress. <laughs> so what we're going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read, because I took the time to sit down and write out the emails and I explained why I ended up writing out the emails before Mm -hmm. we podcasted. Mm -hmm. So, um, I didn't get as far as writing my stuff, but I do have two Sadie emails. Oh, really? One short one and one long one. Oh my goodness. That's scary. (laughs) Um, The first one is for you, obviously, and it's from Robert P. And it says, I've looked up your book online and noticed that you don't offer it in ebook format. Why? I would be interested in purchasing a copy on Nook. Well, thank you, Robert, for your question. I'll let David answer that. Why don't we have it on ebook? Uh, one of the things that we do is uh, we have a a contract with. Not with Nook, unfortunately. We, mm. we actually have a contract with Kindle. Mm-hmm. And if you were to go to Amazon mm-hmm. and Google for a Kindle book, mm-hmm. you will find Red Hills, Green Vines, Drag Monkey Meat in e-, e or digital format on the Kindle. Ah. Um, unfortunately, our distribution license is strictly with the Amazon company, so we are not... Uh, spreading out to other e-readers. Okay. It's an exclusive. But anybody who has access to Amazon has then access to Kindle, right? right? Well, even at that, you can go... uh, Robert? Robert. Robert can go, and he can get on his laptop or his 
PC, mm -hmm. and whether it be Macintosh format or Windows format, mm -hmm. he can go and he can download a free Kindle reader. And oh, he can read okay. ebooks from Kindle oh, okay. right there on his laptop. Okay. Now, the program is free, but the book itself is not free. Yeah. Well, that's the case anyway, isn't it? I mean, any of the e-reader books you pay for, don't you? Um, there is. We are actually um, a part of another program that's connected. Is if you're an Amazon Prime member, mm -hmm. you can check a book out for so much time. Like a lending library. Yes, exactly. Oh. And even though it's free to the customer, mm -hmm. it's not really free to the customer because mm -hmm. they actually pay like 75 bucks a year for this. Oh, wow. Um, well, that's cheaper than, what, 20 books a pop? Yeah. Or 20 bucks a pop. Um, but so they can check out as many books as they want. Mm -hmm. But what they don't know, what they don't see behind the, what's the expression, behind closed doors, is even though you check a book out for free because you're an Amazon Prime member, we still get paid. Yeah, well... I certainly hope so. It's part of the KDP. I didn't write that book just for the fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I did, but if I get paid, too, that's cool. So Robert has an option then. All he has to do is go to Amazon, right. download their free Kindle reader. Yes. And then... Buy the book. Buy the book, unless he's a Prime member, in which case he can rent the book or whatever they yes, call it. Yes, he can borrow the book. Borrow the book. For free. For free. And That's even, cool. And Or option two mm -hmm. is go buy the the new Kindle file. Kinder, 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 kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> Kindle Fire HD. No wonder that was hard to say. Yes. Kindle Fire HD. Okay. And he can go and set up his own Kindle device and read it right there. Uh, see, life was so much simpler when you just went to the store, you know, go to the book department, say, I'll take that one, pay the money, and walk home with it in your hand. But uh, people like electronics, so there you go. And just because, I, I'm assuming by the time he hears this, he's probably going to be kind of irritated because he specifically said a nook. Yeah, well. Which is, you know. I'm oh, sorry, we Nook don't have, we're not hooked with Nook, sorry, now, but. <laughs> now, before, when we ran Dark Myth Publications, uh -huh. we had a general contract mm. with all the e-readers, mm. and that was from the, you know, you could write, read it on your iPad, or you could read it on the Nook or the Kindle. Now, the reason why I'm exclusive with this is because out of the three, Amazon gives you a huge cut of the profit as to where, um, because I, I hit the iStore, I hit the Nook, you know, Barnes mm -hmm. and I checked mm -hmm. them all before I did all this. Mm -hmm. And for us on a business end. It's more lucrative. It is. Okay, well, there you go. It's always, the bottom line is always the bucks. So, Robert, thank you for your email. I hope this answer helps you. I hope it doesn't make a complicated answer out of it for you. It would probably be complicated. <laughs> <laughs> we try. Okay, the second email 
was for you again. Mm-hmm. And there was actually one in between, but I, I read this one and it was like, oh, I got any of those pain in the ass right now. Right? I have to read it to you. Okay. And this is, this is from uh, Linda W. And it said, I heard on episode 20, leaving Burbank to email with a question or comment. I really don't have a question at this time, but I do have a comment. I'm a 68-year-old grandma, and I have fumbled around the Internet for some time, attempting to find something to amuse me. Yet, while I do enjoy videos on the Internet, that is basically it. I do not like Facebook or Twitter, and frankly use the damn thing for information information search tool. That leads me to how I found your radio show. When in Burbank, my kids and grandkids and I were talking about vacationing in California. We wanted to visit visit Disneyland, which I believe was in Burbank. I now know <laughs> I now know that the Walt Disney Studios, which is in Burbank, not Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I wanted to see what else we could enjoy while our stay. So I put in when in Burbank. The big thing, the the thing uh, oh bean we were just talking about bean mm-hmm. the bean thing on the first page a site offered a free list of your radio shows episode 4 whole lot of shaking going on oh that was the earthquake mm-hmm. that was the earthquake mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I started listening weekly and can say I've become a fan who turned who turn, tunes in weekly I look forward to your new program. And that's from Linda W. Well, thank you, Linda. That's very complimentary. I hope they got to Disneyland. I hope they didn't wait for... Yeah, right back and tell us. You made it to Disneyland. I hope you didn't go to Burbank looking for it. That tall, tall pointy mountain is not in Burbank. (laughs) Oh, I don't think they even have the tall pointy mountain anymore. Think they tore the Matterhorn down? Or they were talking about it. I don't know. God, Ernie went online the other day just to see how much it was going to cost. Oh, no, he read in the paper. They had a thing in the paper. They're raising the rates for California visitors again oh, to geez. Disneyland, up another five or ten bucks. I don't know. But, the, you know, <clears throat> the funny thing is when my first husband and I were first married, mm-hmm. we lived in Pomona. Uh, let me think. How am I going to describe this? All right. Pomona is uh, geez, 30 miles or so from Anaheim. Right. Uh, and uh, being poverty-stricken at that point, he was in college, and you know I was working a, a part-time job. He was working a part-time job. We didn't have a lot of money, so we would go to Disneyland because it was the cheapest thing we could do. Okay, we'd get in for a buck, a whole dollar, uh huh, a piece. Uh huh. Parking was free at the time, or minimal. I don't remember now, but it, I think it was free, at least for a while. And then we would go to a thing that they've since torn down. I just heard they tore it down. It was the Carnation Pavilion, and they had bands there, mostly of the big band sound. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we would dance the night away. We loved to dance. Both of us were 
very big on dancing. So, and we'd have a Coke or something, you know, and walk around and look at some of the Disneyland stuff, maybe or maybe not. Just sometimes we just went there to dance, and then we'd go home. Well, <clears throat> in the newspaper or whatever, Ernie read an article about they they actually converted, they didn't tear it down, but they converted the Carnation Pavilion into something else with that was connected to it behind it. It was a, uh, I think, Adventureland or, or one of the, yeah, one of the others. It connected with that because it used to be like the Carnation Pavilion was like here and then off to the side was the bridge that went over the hill to the Magic Castle or whatever, right, right. Fantasyland. And so now there's no more um, Carnation Pavilion, and I was not the only person who wasn't thrilled about that. Thank you. But, you know, and, and back in the day, that was a great place to go for that purpose. Kids don't want to just go and dance like that anymore. No. So I can understand why they, you know, got rid of it. <clears throat> Basically, all they sold was Cokes and ice cream. So, you know, how much Cokes and ice cream can you make? And it was a huge place. It was a very large place, so that was a lot of space that I'm sure they're making more money off of now or going to be when they get it converted and everything. Right. But uh, but now, let me see. I think he said it's for kids. I think it went from 85 to $87. Dollars. God. Yeah, for a three-year-old. Three to ten or something like that. I don't know. Whatever the age bracket is, starts at three. Presumably, under the age of three, they're free. But at the age of three, you're going to pay 87 bucks for your three-year-old to go in and walk around for... How long can a three-year-old walk around? Half an hour? Maybe. Yeah. And then get in the stroller and sleep the rest of the time. Maybe have 50 cents worth of soda pop. Uh, maybe eat a handful of food at the most, right. okay, for which you're going to pay dearly, and and maybe ride on a couple of rides or something like that, and then scream and cry and whatever else three-year-olds do, you know. Right. And that, but eighty-seven dollars, it just it blew my. I said, my God, I used to pay a dollar to go in there, and we, and we could. They didn't even charge for rides in the beginning. You just went in and rode the rides. That was it. You know, when you've, you've heard the, the, you've heard people talk about e-tickets. Yes. Okay. E-tickets came from the ticket, ticket packages that people had to buy when they, when they would go into Disneyland in order to ride the rides, they decided to, they decided to start charging for the rides and it was too complicated to charge at the ride and nobody knew for sure when they went in what they wanted to ride. So you could buy tickets uh, or books of tickets and, and and then you'd rip out the ticket and give it to the guy, and you'd go ride the ride. And the e-ticket was the most expensive, and so that's where the e-ticket ride thing came from. Because some of the rides were cheaper than others, depending on what one you went to. Right. Okay. So it's just gotten all out of hand. And I, I where does Linda say she lives? I think she said she lived back east somewhere. It, it doesn't say. It doesn't say. Okay. Well, I sort of got the idea it wasn't in town anyway. No. <laughs> but... Um, you know, I mean, I it just blows my mind to think that people are going to have to travel here 
at whatever expense they're going to have to, you know, flying, driving, taking the train, the bus, whatever. And then they're going to pay through the nose to go into Disneyland after that. I sure hope she's happy and not disappointed with her visit. You know, I've actually been to Disneyland twice. I've been lots and lots of times. Well, like I said, we used to go for a date when, when there wasn't anything else uh, to do. But after that, I mean, when my granddaughters were growing up, you know, we used to go with them. But I think the last time we actually went was when our oldest granddaughter, who just turned 20 last month, uh, I think when she was about three or four was the last time we actually went. We stayed in the Disneyland Hotel, and we bought the package, and we went over and walked around and went back and, you know, stuff like that. It was a lot of fun at the time, but it's just too darned expensive anymore. My God. And that's pr- that's California prices. God knows what they're charging people from out of the state. I don't know. No, out of state... They pay more? I believe so, because, well, you know, they used to have that California package. You know, a few years back, we paid 20 bucks or something like that for a all-day park hopper or some garbage. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was cheap. And that was the California deal, you know, because I think it's kind of like people who live in New York never go to see the... The Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Statue Tower, of right. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Statue of Liberty. Okay, because they live there and they figure, well, we'll go see that someday, and then they never do, right? Right. So it's like that with Disneyland. People here figure, eh, we'll go there someday, but they never do. So they they entice them there with cheap rates. That's supposedly the big deal. But those cheap rates have just gotten way, 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 way out of hand. So anyhow, that was sort of a long answer to her uh Thing. But I'm, I'm glad she's a listener and a fan. That's terrific. I hope our new format appeals to her as well. Well, I want to give it more, you know, give the people more information, more just instead of sticking to one topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think we can stick to one topic. Besides, it'd get boring after a while. I, that's what I was going to say. So, what are you doing? Um, what I'm doing is I'm getting actually preparing to get into the next segment that oh, we're going to oh. do. Um, so For those of you that can't see, he's playing with the computer screen. <laughs> and that's okay, because I don't know what I'm doing anyway. I just work here. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and jump to Geek News, and then we'll get into um, saying goodbye. Geek News, mm. again, we're going to talk a little bit about the Yotnum uh, uh, script that I'm working on. Uh-huh. Um, I gave you some pieces to look at. Yes, yes. Um, there's a there's a character that um, is it right for me to say? Of course, yes, okay. yes. Are you kidding? I just got a a spam email today from somebody I have no idea who it was from, using my first name and my street address. Really? Yeah. So I guess the last name certainly won't hurt anything. Well, we've, we've talked about the fact that uh, your husband is Japanese-American. Mm-hmm. We've, we've talked about that quite a few times mm-hmm. in Burbank. So I guess it's okay to say your 
your current maiden name right now is Nakata. Well, actually, that's not my maiden name. Or not maiden name, your married name, I'm sorry. My married name, married yes. Nakata. Yes. And uh, I thought it would be just fun, you know, kind of de- dedicate that to you guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, I created a character with the last name Nakata. I thought that was very cool. In fact, I actually named a whole palace. Oh, yeah? The Nakata Palace the or Nakata whatever? The Nakata Palace, yes. Wow. Oh, he's going to be impressed. <laughs> so, um, right now, I'm, I'm still working on putting together the script. Mm-hmm. You have to have a part for her in there, too. <laughs> but you're going to have to record it ahead of time. Yeah. The baby has come into the room, in case you haven't heard that. <clears throat> um, so... At this point, it's going to be two scripts. Originally, I was just planning to make one movie. But because the story is developing the way it is, uh, I can't tell the whole story in two hours. Right. It's got to be right. more. Right. Because, and I think I mentioned this before just off air, we were just chatting, is we've got to introduce the characters and we've got to make the viewers have an emotional connection. And that does take time. Yes. So that's what, pretty much what the first half of this movie is, is is making that emotional connection. Yeah. Then the second half of the, the film gets into the adventure. And I'm really excited about it. I'm getting really close. I've actually started typing it. Um, I, I'm kind of... Well, how many characters, primary characters, are there? There's three main characters. And it's going to take a whole movie to introduce them? Well, I mean, okay, the reason, that, the reason I bring that up is, uh, you know the movie, uh, well, there are several of them, pick one, where uh, you meet all the people and then the catastrophe happens. The airplane crashes, the earthquake hits, whatever the case. Right. The first half of the movie, or the first third of the movie, is taken up with introducing the characters who are then going to deal with the catastrophe after the, after that point. <laughs> yes, you're so good, girl. Um, the, so, so what I'm sort of saying is, can you not get that... Uh, introduction and the association established in say the first third or half of the the story and then go ahead with it? Is it really going to take a whole story just to get people hooked on the characters? It's without giving away the plot. Yeah. There is the three the three characters, the three main characters. Yeah. They're all intertwined. Right. And the the connection to all of them leads to something big that will happen in the second movie. Right. And in order to do that, not even really just introducing, because, like, I think the initial time when we introduce, the very first time we introduce a Yotman, the main character. Yeah. You know, it's probably a five-minute action skit. And you're you're yeah. pretty much comfortable with him, and then, yeah. you know, I introduce... Uh, so you're just talking about their actions... The story, you, you, you've just got a four-hour story is what you've got. Right. Okay. Okay, because it sounded like you were going to take 
two hours to introduce people, and I'm like, for three people, that's a little much in the way of introduction. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, uh, gotcha. By the time we get to, let's see, what you read was probably, you know, the one piece that I wrote last mm-hmm. night. That, that's probably the beginning of Act 2. Okay, okay. So by Act 2, the introductions, all the introductions is made. Okay. Now we're going to get into the adventure. And as we get into the adventure, we're going to get into the dilemma. And then, of course, Act 3 is the conclusion. Or so, so in the story will tell, just in, in by half, that we don't make a second movie. And we, but we're able to put out a first one. Mm. The first story will stand alone. Mm. Okay. But there is more There's more story. to come. Yes. So you just have to have a prequel and then a movie. <laughs> or you could do what, uh, what is it, <clears throat> The Rings? You know, they keep doing the movies and then they go back. Oh, Star the Trek does that, too. They keep going, they keep having their shows and then they, okay, let's make a movie about everything before Star Trek. Yes. You know, that's cool. Um, and just because you guys, well, mainly, well, both of you, you and Ernie, oh. um, talked about making a video game. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've been researching Kickstarter more and more. The closer we get to pre-productions, the more I'm, I'm really looking into this. Yes. There is a specific place for video games to request revenue to have video games made. Uh-huh. So there you have it. There you got it. We might have something. I, I'm telling you, that's where this is going to go. You uh, can, a lot of people say. You that, can say I said so. <laughs> um, a lot of people say that video games. Now, like if, if you talk to my brother-in-law, Aaron, he actually prefers to play video games over watching movies. Hmm. That's the way cinema is heading, is to be interactive. Mm. So is theater. The thing is, theater is headed that way, too, I think. I mean, uh, the legitimate theater, as they call it, you Uh know, like Broadway. Right. Uh, We were watching Smash. I record Smash uh, because we're fans of the show. And then we watch it later when we can. So it's like Sunday night we were getting caught up because it was the end, the finale for the season. Season you know? finale, uh-huh. Yeah. And um, the, uh, one of the, the writers who was putting on one of the Broadway shows that's in the story, okay, um, he got killed. And so his uh, f- close friend, who was the songwriter and is the singer and actor in the play that they were putting on, um, took over and and they went ahead and wanted to you know put the you know the show must go on and all that kind of stuff. But they also uh, several of the people involved in the production were talking about they wanted to give it a little extra oomph, a little something different. And the story took them to where they looked at this young man who would, had been killed. They looked at his notes and they found this thing, the, the word newsreel. And they decided to... Um, the, then the, his associate friend said, oh yes, I remember he was talking about, he had this idea that the media somehow should be involved, the social media should be part of the production. And so long story short, 
Uh, they thought it was a great idea, and they were going, of course, much faster than I was. I was still trying to figure out what they were talking about while they were planning it. But uh, what happened was they put on their production, and then uh, right there, there was like a break in it after one of the songs, and they had screens all over the place, and excerpts and things about the production came on the screen and people's uh, they got the the phone numbers because apparently when they sell tickets uh, at least in this case when they sold tickets they had actual identification of the purchasers of the tickets and including their cell phone numbers in many cases and so they plugged those numbers in too so that they got messages on their personal cells during the production and it was all part of the whole thing and everybody loved it they thought it was great but it was like uh, kind of like looking at your computer screen and getting messages flashing at you you know about whatever you're interested in and stuff like that. For me, it wouldn't have done it, but the whole audience thing was was all, they really, really loved it. So it looks like that is, Aaron may be talking about the same sort of thing, or am I totally off, <laughs> off, off track? I don't know, because he's, you know, he's a young guy. Yeah. He sees things in different perspectives yeah. than I do. Yeah, but what you said, he said... Say it again, what you said he said. No, he believes that the media of, like, watching a movie and playing a video game mm -hmm. eventually is going to become one entity. So it'll be more interactive. That's why, and that's what reminded me of Smash, because it was sort of an interaction kind of thing. It, it, it sort of, in, the audience at least appeared to feel involved in the actual production and what was going on and they were it was very audience participation kind of thing right. you know and they were all looking which i thought was kind of weird because the first thing they'd tell you when you go into a thing like that would be turn off your cell but hey anyway yeah that's yeah. true <laughs> well for me i don't know if it's just because it's the lazy part of me kicking in hmm. but to be honest with you if i'm going to go in and watch a movie or watch a tv show mm -hmm. I don't want it to be interactive. I want to sit on my butt and, I know. and Me too. be entertained. Me too. But you got to remember, like you said, Aaron's young, okay? Now, uh, went to dinner with a f young friend of ours one time, and he I know he loves us. I know he was happy to be there with us, but the whole time he was sitting there doing stuff with his cell phone. He was Facebooking people and taking pictures of his beer and putting it on Facebook and everything while we were having dinner. It's like they... Uh, and another time we went out to dinner with him and his aunt and his cousin, and they were all with their cell phones doing things, right. and, but they were still talking to us. It's like there's... There doesn't seem to be enough going on. They want more happening, and and there's this thing about, you know, I when Twitter first came out, I thought it was weird because people were saying things like, "I just got back from the bathroom," tweet, tweet, you know, whatever the hell. Right. But that's what they do. They're they're just like, "I just had a beer. Look, here's my beer I'm drinking. You know, and here's the chicken wings I'm eating." And. I, I don't understand it. I, I try. I really do try, but I just don't understand the compulsion to this activity. I, d I don't get it. Now, for me, as far as, like, social media, it's, and I, I'm guilty of this all the way, is I don't, I'm not much of a, a, a tweeter. I'm not much for posting on Facebook. Well, you know I'm not. I do a little bit more on Facebook than I do on I've never done anything on Twitter. No, like Twitter. for Twitter. today, today, 
I actually posted on Yeah, Facebook I know you did. Because I had something to say. Yeah, yeah. But, no, it's not that. It's that there's not enough going on for them. That's the problem. I mean, they're not con- they're not content to just sit in a restaurant with friends and eat a meal. Right. They have to have something else going on at the same time. That and there's you know there's 35 television screens in the place showing ball games and whatnot. That's not enough. They need more. And it, yeah, I guess I don't know what it is. I mean, what? happened to just sitting down with somebody and having a drink or a dinner and visiting. Maybe it's because they don't know how to visit anymore. They don't know how to talk with each other anymore because they totally do speak a different language. Right. You know, I mean, hashtag this, hashtag that, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. You know, there's no sentences anymore. It's all, I went downtown, hashtag this, hashtag that, hashtag that, hashtag that, and that's the end of the sentence. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, because you actually, I, I posted. No idea what the fuck that's supposed to be about. I posted something last week about looking forward to you know, starting up the show again with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually used hashtag what what we think. Right. Hashtag. At Twitter. Or yeah. at two knocks you put. Yeah. At two knocks at Twitter. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't know. It's, it's the same thing as me saying uh, your name, but because that's your Twitter address. Yeah. That's how it references. I know, but it's... it's the, the hashtag yeah. takes out... Phrases. They don't. They don't use those phrases anymore. Like we saw the, or they came here, or this was, blah blah. Those phrases are gone, eliminated by the hashtag. Right. Okay. And then the word, the the primary focus word is put in. Like he put in um, hashtag. His, he has dogs now, and he had put in one of them's named Bruce, and I forget what the other one's name. He put hashtag Bruce or hashtag puppies. Instead of I've got puppies, one's named Bruce, he puts in the hashtag, and it eliminates. It's like we haven't eliminated verbiage as it is. Now we're totally eliminating verbiage because we're not talking to each other anymore. We're doing it on electronic devices. Right. You know, and remember not too many, there wasn't too many podcasts ago that I said I was concerned because verbal communication is rapidly coming to a close. Yes. Well, I think we're there. For the youngsters, I think, God, I sound like an old lady, (laughs) but uh, I mean, you know, let's face it, I'm 72 and they're not, all right, so they're young kids, they're there. They're not verbally communicating. They can, but they're choosing not to. This this young man was sitting across the table from a cousin of his whom he's very close with, whom he hadn't seen for a good year. Well, maybe not a year. His grandfather passed not long ago, and he was back. back. Several months, okay? okay? Several months. Hadn't seen her sitting across the table from her. She lives in Georgia, for God's sake. Not going to see her. She's going home tomorrow. Right. Do they sit and talk about stuff together? No. She's on her cell phone uh, hashtagging somebody, and he's on his cell phone hashtagging somebody. 
And now, a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Roberts Field Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our ebooks for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jazelmon.com. When are they gonna? When she gets home? Is it because they don't have anything to say? And they and they they you know after after hi how are you how have you been? There's not much more to say and they're uncomfortable with silence. Right. And that, that was one of the things. Um, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say Alan. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he's one of those people. He'd much rather text than talk. 
And for him, he said that it, it's just easier to end the conversation. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Uh, yeah, but when you're sitting in the room with the person, right? I mean, what, what, would he have preferred if you two were on the couch and he was texting you? Is that what you're saying? Is that what he was saying? Because it's it's easier for him to instead of have just casual conversation, which can lead into whatever you know, just whatever type of conversation it leads into, he can just end it. He doesn't have to reply. You see, that's that's a form. Well, he could do that sitting with you, couldn't he? Just say, "I don't want to talk anymore. Goodbye." Or what? I don't know. I don't know. No, Lacey and I, we've we've text each other in the room, you know, next to the, you know, each other. But we text something that was private and it didn't need to be said verbally. Mm-hmm. So we, we text each other. Well, that, that, yeah, that, that makes some sense if you, you know, but, uh, but when you go out to, well, hell, you never go out to dinner. But if you went out to dinner, the two of you, okay, just the two of you, right. without the kids, you would you would feel comfortable sitting at table with each other and just talking, would right. you not? Right. Yeah. So, but but a lot of people, Alan apparently included, would not. That uh, Maybe that's why they got all the TVs, you know. Now, I know when Ernie and I go out, it's, it's funny because we, you know, we're together 24-7, essentially, except for when he's at work. So when he's home, we talk occasionally, but there, hours go by and we don't say anything because we've got televisions going on and we're both plugged into our computers 90, 90% of the time, unless we're out doing something in the yard or whatever. But when we're inside, the TV's on and the computers are on, or the TVs are on and we're watching TV. So, you know, we don't talk a whole lot unless we're talking about what's on TV or what's on the computer or what we just saw in the newspaper, stuff like that. But for the most part, we're kind of quiet people. We don't really talk a lot, which is one reason I talk my head off here. But when we go out, we'll talk a lot in the car sometimes, or we go to a restaurant, we talk. Even when there's televisions there to watch a game. Now, sometimes he'll watch a game and talk at the same time if it's something he's really interested in. He's not a big sports fanatic, so he doesn't really care. Right. You know, and it kind of, in a way, it sort of bothers me that they have all the televisions in restaurants these days. Anyhow, I'd like to just go to a restaurant and have a meal. I don't, I don't need electronic entertainment to get through my meal. I can do it all by myself with the meat and the potatoes and the fork and the knife and the guy across the table. Another new uh, segment that we're going to be introducing weekly yes. is saying goodbye. Ah, yes. This is going to cheer you all up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is strictly just to kind of highlight people. And I, I don't want to just dive in and say, oh, this person died, this person died. I want them to have significant impact on the culture of things. You want them to be people who had significant impact correct, correct. on the culture. So this segment is called Saying Goodbye. Okay. Uh, there's been, there's actually a number of people this week, but I, I broke it down to three, three important ones. And the very first one, I don't know if you're going to recognize the name. His name was Ray Manzik. 
Mm-hmm. He was one of the founding members of the Doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed away this week. Mm-hmm. Um, tapping into our, our good friends over at TMZ who provide us all our information, um, it says that he was uh, battling, let's see, long time battling a bile duct cancer. That's interesting. You hear that often. No, you don't. And how long did it take him to find out that's what he had? Jesus Louise. And he was 74. Uh, It says here the doors were playing the house band at Whiskey, opening acts like Van Morrison, when a recording exec discovered them and gave the the band their first big record deal. Hmm. So that's saying goodbye. So that's a milestone right there. We say goodbye to Ray. All right. And then we also have another one. Um, and I, I kind of feel silly now because I asked you about this person. And when I asked you about her, you just kind of gave me like, are you fucking stupid luck? <laughs> I'm sorry. I have I, I, I don't have good control. I'm sorry. No, no, it's, I it's, didn't mean I didn't mean that. I didn't mean to look at you like that. <laughs> and uh, this young lady, her name was Jean Stapleton, mm-hmm. and she was best known for her iconic role as Edith Bunker from All in the Family. Mm-hmm. Um, she passed away this Friday in New York City, and she was 90 years old. Um, According to family, Stapleton passed away from natural causes. And, um, I mean, well, how did you put it? You put it best. You, you said... I said anybody can put up with Archie Bunker is okay in my book. Because <laughs> uh, anybody that's ever seen All in the Family or the reruns thereof, uh, if you ever watch it, uh, Archie Bunker, her husband in the show, was uh, an iconic... Um, uh, segregationist, racial bigot, uh, and just general all-round hateful kind of person. He didn't like or approve of much of anything, but he especially was bigoted, uh, especially uh, with regards to black people. Right. And and the fun of the of the show was. Seeing him put into situations where he had to really stretch his awareness of not just black people, but of himself and of how bigoted he really was. And, of course, his daughter's uh, husband, Meatball, as he called him, um, uh, he was no good because he had long hair and he was a hippie, hippie and yes. he was, uh, you know, Archie just didn't like anybody that wasn't exactly like Archie Bunker. That pretty much is the way that went. And, but Edith was the soul of patience and understanding and cheerfulness in spite of it all um, and uh, and loved him with a love beyond understanding. <laughs> And she she will be greatly missed. Her talent yes. uh, will be greatly missed. And she lived a nice long life. At and night. she did do that, yes. She did indeed. So we say goodbye to Gene Stapleton. Now, the next person on the list, um, he's not super iconic. 
Um, but the reason that I decided to add him to the list is the man had balls. I mean, there, there's no other way to just... He chased tornadoes for a living. You know, when a tornado touches down, the, the normal thinking, intelligent population goes, oh, there's a tornado coming to me. Let's go the opposite way. Mm, or at least dig a hole and climb in it, yes. Not for Tim Summers. Yeah. Tim Summers, he, he would just go straight into the, the eye, you know. And unfortunately, you know, there was that Oklahoma tornado that hit in more Oklahoma, which was just devastating. And unfortunately, he was chasing that tornado. Was it that one he was chasing or the subsequent one? I couldn't remember. Um, Again, according to our friends at TMZ, um, it says that one of the stars of the Discovery Channel show, Storm Chasers, Mm. was one of the nine people who died Friday in the tragic tornadoes that hit Oklahoma. Samaras' son, Paul, and a colleague... Carl Young died with Samaras while chasing the tornado, relatives told CNN. Samaras' brother Jim posted on Facebook page, Thank you to everyone for the condolences. It is sad that we lost my great brother, Tim, and his great son, Paul. Our hearts go out to the Carl Young family as well as they are feeling the same feelings we are today. They all unfortunately passed away doing something they loved. Mm. So to Tim, we say goodbye. It flew away. Yes. Mm. So now, as we move into, I, I'm trying to keep this all going. And keep going. Keep keep us on on the straight and narrow. If um, you can. <clears throat> I haven't quite came up with the name, so this is kind of uh, a temporary name unless we come up with something better. Mm-hmm. And this is called The Helping Hand. Okay. And as we look at the news, we always see something that's negative. And with Helping Hand, I wanted to find people, maybe, you know, Hollywood stars or someone in a celebrity spotlight that has actually done something positive. Oh, that should be easy to do. There are several who have done Actually. And this week's Helping Hand actually goes out to one of my favorite um, people. I, when I was a young child, I was a big wrestling fan. I mean, really big. And me being a big kid, I always foresaw myself being a wrestler. And I always wanted to be like Hulk Hogan. And that is today's helping hand is Hulk Hogan. Um, let's see if I can actually there's what happened is, is uh, Hulk Hogan his wife and his daughter they were out on, on the lake and they were in their, their boat. They noticed something was smoking they ran well Hulk ran to the engine lifted it up he was looking in and he noticed that steam was coming out of the cap and as Steve was coming out of the cap, his daughter Brooke leaned over. Her face was almost right over the cap. As the cap, from what I understand, ex- popped up. Mm-hmm. Hulk, just fatherly instinct, mm-hmm. grabbed the cap and held it down. And pushed her out of the and way. And pushed her out of yeah. the way. Now, there is an actual picture of 
his hand. Oh, God. Yeah, hand-burning accident. Dumbest thing I've ever done, he said. I don't know if it may have been dumb, but it was certainly courageous at the same time. He did the only thing he could see that needed to be done to save his daughter. So if he hadn't done, she'd have surely been killed. Yes. How old was she? Is she? Uh, She's... She, if she's not in her late teens, she's in her early twenties. Oh, still, it wouldn't have done her any good. No. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if, to really get what we're saying here, you, you should really see this, and that is um, just go to Google and type in Hulk Hogan Burning Hand incident. Yeah. And you can see this. His, you can see where he held it down with his fingers. Mm-hmm. And well, and his palm of his hand looks like it's got a big round burn on it. Yes. Unless I'm not seeing that correctly. No, yeah. So, hmm. let's see. We're actually going to try to play the video here. Let's see. Because that's another thing that I want to start including in this video. We, we forgot we'd, the last episode yeah. that we've been adding videos. So, here we go. Welcome back to TMZ Live. Hulk Hogan saving lives. A hero. Not, not just in the ring, in real life this time. After a pretty nasty accident down in Florida. This is a pretty big deal. He's going to walk us through. He's on with us uh, now. Uh, Hulk, welcome to TMZ Live. Oh, so now you guys are turning me into a hero, huh? Probably, probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> Why is it dumb? Well, I mean, come on, brother. Everybody knows you're not supposed to touch a hot radiator. Well, so, okay. Well, you said, hold on. We're going to tell guess. the story first. Okay. And then we were going to say, well, that was dumb. We're going we're to rewrite. You're going to hear the biggest bonehead thing that anybody in professional wrestling ever did. <laughs> Can't believe Hulk Hogan guy. did it. It's just so stupid. He joins us right now. Hulk, welcome to TMZ Live. Questions. I just kind of like was in La La Land, but it was the dumbest thing I've ever done. 
was this thing? Uh, either the cap wasn't put on all the way, or maybe there was too much water in the radiator, but it was on me because whenever you go on the boat, you should check everything before you either start the engines. But, um, so at the end of the day, it was my fault. I can't blame anybody else. Okay, Hulk, so Hulk, I'm going to give you the, uh, we're, we're out of time, but I want to give you the silver lining in this thing. Silver lining is this. You're lucky you weren't on the Carnival Cruise Line because if you're in the mood to become a hero, think of how hot that radiator cap would have been over the weekend when the Carnival Cruise Line caught fire. His hand does look like it got cooked. Yeah, it did. Too bad. Too bad. Um, could you tell if it was right or left? It looked like left. It looked like his left hand. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully he's not left-handed. Well, that's it for this week. I am David K. Montoya. And I'm Miss Sadie Burbank. And you heard what we think, so now you know. Good night, folks. Ah, uh, yes. How could we forget about the segment where Hulk Hogan burns his hand? That was very entertaining. Um, we did that type of format for like four or five months. Um, in fact, we're talking about maybe going back to a similar format even now as we speak. So that was what we think number five. All right. Continuing to move right along on this nice Christmas holiday. Uh, we are going to dive one more time and we're going to give you number three because we give you three hours of podcast on Fridays. Okay, let me just mix it up, and our podcast, our third podcast, is going to be, it is, Saturday Segments number 12, ooh, that was unexpected, okay, so. Okay, so this was recorded on March 23rd, 2013. This is Saturday Segments number 12. I am Batman. Uh, synopsis reads, This week marks the return of Saturday Segments' own Larry Walton as he pulls up his mic to explain where he's been and the full-on review of everything Batman. All right, so set back and enjoy Saturday segments number, what is it, number 12. I had a brain fart there, kids. And I'll see you after we're finished. Well, hello again. This is Larry Walton, and I welcome you to another Saturday segments. I was gone um, for a couple weeks. Uh, actually, more than that, the reason being is uh, my daughter's boyfriend um, 
was killed in an auto accident last month. Um, we are not sure what happened to him or why. Uh, we're not sure, really sure what happened. Um, apparently, he was coming home to our house. Um, he was visiting his adopted family uh, in Atlanta, California. And for some reason, he decided uh, to walk home, which is quite a distance from the Atlanta to here in Speria, where we're at. We're not sure of all the details or what happened to him, but um, you know, <laughs> um, it's kind of hard to talk about. Um, I've known him, his name was Gerald. I knew him for three years, because that's how long that he and my daughter Becky were, got to, were knew each other. Um, he lived with us in our home. He really, ne he really never had a family. Um, his father died when he was a baby and his mother uh, was killed when he was five years old. He was adopted uh, by the Cannons uh, I'm not sure if you remember Cannon, who made uh, dish, uh, towels and, and uh, washcloths. He was adopted by them, and then later on in his life, um, something happened. So when he was around 15 years old, um, this other family uh, adopted him, and he lived with, lived with him um, up to the time where he met Becky and he uh, online because at the time my, uh, my daughter was in, was in the process of getting divorced from her first husband so they got to know each other and they met and he moved up here his adopted family moved up here and he didn't really want to live with them so he moved in with us and uh, for a while, he stayed in our our, our uh, travel trailer, and um, and then later on, uh, we were able to move my two granddaughters into a bedroom which I had, uh, which is now their bedroom, and Be Becky and Gerald moved into. Uh, the other bed, we have three bedrooms, actually four, counting my wife's bedroom. <clears throat> so he moved in and, you know, and um, he was with us ever since. So it's kind of hard to imagine somebody you've only known, you know, you know, got to know for a while, and then they're not here anymore. So um, right now we're waiting on the death certificate death certificate um, and then we could plan for his memorial he wanted to be cremated he told Becky that that he wanted to be cremated my daughter Becky so um, he's gonna be cremated and then um, sometime earlier later this year we're going to out to the ocean 
and he wanted his ashes spread over the ocean so that's what we're going to do and then his ex-wife wants some of his ashes um, sent up to Chicago and they want to do a memorial up there for him in Chicago so that's what we're going to do um, should be happening here pretty soon so anyway um, that's what's been going on with me um, and our family so that's why I haven't been uh, doing these segments for a little while okay moving on <clears throat> um, I want to talk about a couple things um, like what's out on movie, the movies that are out this week and uh, if I can remember what's out on DVD and then I've had a request to talk about Batman so I'm going to talk about Batman today um, I will give you the history of Batman how Batman got started then the uh, the movies that were made of Batman and um, we'll go from there so um, <clears throat> let me look I want to see um, what's going on as far as uh, what's out on DVD and, and the movies this week so anyway, I'm going to look this up um, and see what's out there. I know one movie coming out called, uh, it's with Halle Berry. It's called, uh, the name of the movie is called The Call. Um, she plays a 911 operator and I'm looking. Oh, I was going to tell you while I'm doing this. Um, if you have a Facebook page um, and you're interested, you go to my Facebook page. It's under Larry Walton. And you go to my Facebook page and look under pictures. And you will look for um, pictures of my Batman collection. <clears throat> I have a, <laughs> I'm not going to brag or anything, I have a pretty substantial, uh, a pretty substantial uh, Batman collection I've collected over the years. Um, I actually started out um, when I was a kid um, didn't really, I started a little bit because we can afford very much. And then, um, later on, I got into collecting more Batman, uh, items. Actually, it started in, uh, 1984 with, uh, the superpowers uh, 
Batman and Robin figures and Batmobile. And I just grew ever since. Uh, now I've got <laughs> quite a bit now. Uh, if you're a Dancing with the, with the Stars fan, uh, Dancing with the Stars starts again on Monday. And then if you're a fan of Warehouse 13, that starts, um, I believe, next month on the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, if you, uh, um, the show I've, I've gotten hooked on to, gotten hooked on, uh, called Robot Combat League. Uh, it's kind of, <laughs> how, how would you say, uh, if you remember the Rock'em Sock'em Robots, if you were a kid back then. It's kind of like Rock'em Sock'em Robots uh, to the extreme. Um, it's really cool. Um, it's a team of two. Uh, one does the controls the robot as far as moving it back and forth. The other person is the person who actually controls the robot as far as fighting the other robot. There's two robots and they fight against each other. They have uh, I believe it's one or I think it's two three minute rounds or three three two minute rounds I'm sorry and the best of both rounds goes on and competes uh, the next in the next level it's pretty interesting. I kind of think it's cool. It's kind of like, like I said, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Uh, <laughs> it's really cool. It's a really cool, it's a pretty cool show. Um, okay. I'm looking at top shows. Um, looks like the number one show is So You Think You Could Dance. And then The Bachelorette. Master Chef, Family Guy, Saturday Night Live. NBC's Today Show, Desperate Housewives, The View, The Simpsons, Days of Our Lives, Friday Night Smackdown, Tonight Show, Bones, House, uh, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, Glee, Stargate, SG-1, uh, Nightly News, The Office, Modern Family, and The Real Housewives of Orange County. So that is... what is out there as far as TV shows. I'm trying to find um, um, movies here. I mean, yeah, movies are up. I know that one I call, talking about is called The Call. Um, that comes out tomorrow. I guess the movie uh, the Oz the Great and Powerful is doing really well in box office. Um, it's doing well. Um, I'm trying to see. I'm just still playing this by ear, so. And I guess most of you heard by now that Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher will be in the new uh, Star Wars movie, Star Wars Episode 7. Mark Hamill. 
uh, has really hasn't really made a decision yet. So we will see if he comes back. Uh, Luke Skywalker, or you know, he may or may not. We'll see. You know, he's the only holdout right now, as far as uh, Episode Seven. But I think they're going to start production this summer. Let's see, Oz the Great and Powerful. There's a movie called The Incredible Burt Wonderstone. Ident uh, the Call Identity Theft. Dead Man Down. 21 and Over. Snitch. Jack the Giant Slayer. Safe Haven. Silver Linings Playbook. The, Wax the Last Exorcism Part 3. Escape from Planet Earth, A Good Day to Die Hard, Quartet, Dark Skies, and The Doors Live at the Bowl in 1968. So that's what's going on. Um, uh, in theaters. Let me see, I'm trying to find DVDs that are coming out. Uh, let me see. Um, then I want to get to talk, I want to talk about Batman. Um, Trying to find something here. Well, I'm talking about this, um, about Batman. I got to meet last Saturday, um, I got to meet Burt Ward. At a uh, if you're from if you're from California and you're familiar with Sater Brothers, um, is at a Stater Brothers store in Phelan, California, which is not too far from here. I got to talk to him for a little bit. I got his autograph. My grandson, my uh, youngest grandson. And uh, my youngest granddaughter got to get his autograph also, which is pretty cool. Uh, also, there was somebody with a Batmobile there, so he got to sit in the Batmobile. That was cool also. It was fun. Uh, meeting uh, Bird Ward. It was really fun. I enjoyed it very much. I got some pictures. Also, if you go on my Facebook page, you can find that my, some pictures of me sitting in the Batmobile. Okay, looks like movies um, coming out. They're, mar they're out now. Uh, Lincoln, Killing Them Softly, uh, Parental Guidance, A Royal Affair, The Comedy, The Collection. 
Day of the Falcon, Late Bloomers, uh, Easy Money, Hong Kong, oh, Hong Kong, Bangkok Revenge, Union Square, Cheerful Weather for the Wedding, This is 40, Les Miserables, The Hobbit, Zero Dark Thirty, Bachelorette, Rust and Bone, Price Check, okay, The Other Son, Straight A's, Rise of the Guardians, Life of Pi, and Hitchcock are out this week, or this month. Let's see, one's coming out soon. Okay, looks like the same ones. Okay, that's a repeat. <laughs> oh, here's one. John dies at the end. Freeloaders, Hitler's children. Okay. Uh, I don't know what that's about. I don't think he had any children. <laughs> um, not that I know of, anyway. So, anyway, that is what is out on DVD this month. Um, I understand that Life of Pi is really, really good. And I also understand that you have, if you watch it, you have to watch it all the way to the end. Um, for some reason, I don't know. Uh, what the reason is. Um, okay. Must have some significance at the end. Okay, now, without further ado, I am going to talk about Batman. Um, I'm going to talk about from the movies starting in 1943 back in 1939 Batman was created. Created by Bob Kane. The first issue of Batman was in Detective, Tom, Detective Comics number 27 in May of 1939. Um, and then later on, I believe in 1940 or 1941, they introduced Robin. Ever since, uh, it's been a uh, phenomenal, um, you know, phenomenon. <laughs> um, let me see, I'm looking at 1943 Batman. Uh, back then, they called these movie serials. And what they would do is, each week you would go to the movie theater, watch an episode of Batman, and that's, and then they would leave you what they call cliffhangers. Um, at the very end of the movie, you would see something happening. You know, something happens, but you don't know what happens. 
that you can go back the next week and find out what happens to Batman and Robin. So, uh, 1943 Batman, um, the plot was a Japanese spy master named Prince Daka operates a covert espionage organization local located in Metropolis, uh, now deserted little Tokyo, which turns American scientists into pliable zombies. The uh, so like Bob Kane wrote it. The characters, yeah. It star Lewis Wilson, Douglas Croft, J. Carol Nash, um, and Shirley Patterson as Linda Page. Let's see, it says here, in the first screen appearance, the Cape Crusader of Gotham City, belying the lethargic facade of his alter ego Bruce Wayne, battles Dr. Daka, Japanese mastermind of a wartime espionage sabotage group. Daka has a radium-powered death ray that pulverizes walls, a classic alligator pit to dispose of enemies, and can turn men into electronic zombies who do his bidding and transmit video signals to Daka's lab. Batman has no Batmobile, but there are plenty of bats in the Batcave. Yeah, what he used for a Batmobile was his own car. <laughs> um, until later on, when Batman first has Batmobile in the TV series. Okay, that's 1943 Batman. Now we'll find 1949 Batman. There was a long period, like six-year period between this one and the 1949 Batman. These are, by the way, these were made by Columbia Pictures. Uh, they put these out. I'm looking at some photos. That's a great photo here. They were divided into 15 chapter serials. So for 15 weeks, I had to go back to uh, uh, see what happens to Batman and Robin. <laughs> okay, let me see. This one, they face off against the wizard, a hooded villain with an electric device which controls cars and a desire to set challenges to the dynamic, dynamic duo whose identity remains a mystery throughout until the end. The stars were Robert Lowry as Batman, Dunk, John Duncan as Dick Grayson. Oh, the first Robin was Douglas Croft, by the way. Did I say that? I may have. Jane Addams as Vicki Vale. Larry Talbot as Commissioner Jim Gordon. Ralph Graves as Winslow Harrison. There's the Don C. Harvey Henchman. William Fawcett as Professor Hamill. Leonard Penn as Carter, Hamill's valet, valet the wizard. Rick Bolin as Barry Brown, a radio announcer. Michael Whalen as Duncan, investigator. Greg McClure, henchman, 
House Peter Jr., Henchman. A lot of henchmen in this movie. Eric Wilton as Alfred. He was uncredited, by the way. And uncredited as Jimmy Vale, Vicky's brother, and henchman. Okay. Like I said, there's 15, 15 uh, episodes. So you would have to go back each week for 15 weeks and watch all these watch all these um, movie serials. Looks like it came out in May of 19 May 26, 1949, which was the 10th anniversary of the release of the first Batman comic. Oh yeah, it also introduced the first bat signal. It was kind of a small device, not what we're used to with this big searchlight, with the bat symbol on the searchlight. Um, Commissioner Gordon would put it in his office window and flash the bat signal. And he would do this during the day. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, you can't see it during the day, so. Uh, let me see. Oh yeah, the utility belts uh, were replaced with normal belts with no pockets or pouches. So they just were everyday belts. Uh, no Batmobile, but they used a limousine. Uh, it was a 1949 Mercury. Uh, also said the costumes had poorly fitted cowls and the Robin costume added pink tights to cover the hairy legs of both the actor and the stuntman. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Remember, these were black and white. They were in color. Uh, the serial was released in 2005. Time to coincide with the, the theatrical release of Batman Begins. So this came out in 2005. The same time Batman Begins. Uh, the DVD came out in 2005, I should say. Okay. Oh, well, that's interesting. Like I said, these are black and white. Uh, no color till 1966. I don't know if you remember Lyle Talbot, but he was uh, the neighbor of Ozzie and Harriet on the old Ozzie and Harriet show. He played their neighbor. So anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, like I said, uh, it came out 10 years after the release of the first Batman uh, comic book. So I thought that was interesting. Okay, uh, now we're going to talk about moving forward to 1966 with Batman on TV.
I was 12 years old. I never heard of Batman. Honest. I never heard of Batman. Didn't know who Batman was. Um, and uh, at the time, ABC was having uh, low ratings. So they decided to put Batman on two nights a week, Wednesday and Thursday nights at 7. Back then I lived in Texas, so it was at 7 o'clock. Um, it was a huge success the first night. Uh, it was The first episode was Hey, Hi, Diddle Riddle, smack in the middle. Same concept with the uh, cliffhanger, where you had to tune in the next night, see what happens. The Riddler is played by the, by the legendary Frank Gorshin. Uh, Batman was Adam West. Uh, Burt Ward was Robin. Uh, Alan Napier played uh, Alfred. Madge Blake was Anne Harriet. And the reason she was in this because they didn't want to give the people an idea that men were living in the same house. So just men were living in the same house, and that's when they introduced that area. Uh, Neil Hamilton, Commissioner Gordon, Stafford Rip, uh, <laughs> Chief O'Hara, I'm sorry. Uh, it just went off like gangbusters uh, for 126 episodes. It also spawned uh, memorabilia you could buy. Um, probably was not even heard of back in the 40s, um, unless you actually bought <coughs> something um, that they had promotions at the movie theaters. I don't know. Anyway, um, originally they were going to put the Batman movie out first to introduce the characters, but with ABC's low ratings, they decided to put the TV series, series on first, and then that summer, July, they put the Batman movie out. Uh, the Batman movie... had um, Cesar Romero as Joker, Burgess Meredith as Penguin, Lee Merriweather as Catwoman, and then Frank Gorshin as the Riddler. They were going to have Julie Newmar, but she had other uh, commitments to do, so Lee Merriweather took her place um, in the Batman movie. Great movie. Um, it is filmed out here in California. Um, the scene, if you've seen the movie, the scene with the, the harbor, that was filmed up in Santa Barbara. The scene where Batman is, is uh, trying to get rid of a bomb, the bomb that Penguin left, that was filmed up in uh, Santa Barbara. And then the movie also introduced, uh, besides the Batmobile, which you saw in the TV series, it introduced the Batcopter, the Batcycle, and the Batboat. The Batmobile, which was sold in January for 4.6 million dollars 
was designed and built by legendary customizer George Barris. ABC came to him and said we needed a car for our TV series in two weeks. So George Barris had to come up with a car and what he did he bought the 1955 Lincoln Futura from Ford for one dollar. He took the Futura, stripped it down, redesigned it, and made the Futura into the Batmobile. Um, there's a lot of replica Batmobile Batmobiles out there. Like I said, I sat in one when I saw Burt Ward. Uh, I believe it was two weeks ago now, or was it last? It was last weekend. That's right. So. Uh, Anyway, they show uh, if you get me TV on Saturday evenings at seven. They show Batman on me TV. So anyway, that is the first one. Uh, still popular today. A lot of collectors, including myself, have a lot of Batman stuff they collect. Uh, I have quite a bit of stuff. I'm looking over my shoulder to my left. And I have a lot of Batman stuff. <laughs> so, after the Batman series went off the air in 1968, they introduced... Uh, Um, filmation put out um, animated versions of Batman um, they also did animated versions of Superman I believe they did The Flash uh, Aquaman uh, they did a lot uh, they did that for a while after the Batman series went off the air And much after that, they did uh, the Super Friends. Um, later, they did the Super Powers. Um, they did even one with Scooby Doo. So, but this was later on. Uh, uh, you see, I'm reading here um, about other concepts, like they're going to produce them. They were talking about producing a Batman in outer space film. Um, Nineteen seventy nine they were gonna do one. They were gonna make a film oh they were gonna do one after Superman came out in nineteen seventy eight. Uh Universal Pictures, but they turned it down. This is 1979, looks like. There was a long period between uh, that time and 1989 when Batman came out. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to see what else. I'm just kind of reading here about the interesting concepts they were going to come up with. 
Okay, moving forward to 1989, which was the 50th anniversary of Batman. The Batman movie came out. Uh, Tim Burton directed it. I remember there's a lot of controversy about Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton playing Bruce Wayne Batman. Because uh, Michael Keaton was a comedic actor. And they would, they thought they wouldn't, they thought he wouldn't make a good Batman because of his uh, comedic roles. But it turned out really well. The movie starred Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Uh, Pat Hingle played Commissioner Gordon. Billy D. Williams was Harvey Dent. Uh, why can't I think of her name? Kim Basinger was Vicki Vale. Huge success. I mean, it looks like it made uh, it made over four hundred million dollars that year. Robert Wool played uh, Alexander Knox, uh, newspaper reporter. So anyway, uh, it was a huge success. I liked it when I saw it. Okay. Three years later, Batman Returns came out. This had uh, Michelle Pfeiffer played Catwoman. Danny DeVito played the Penguin. And Christopher Walken played Max Schreck. Um, Max Schreck's name was named uh, Tim Burton got because the actor who played the uh, Nosferatu the Vampire in the silent movies of the 1920s. His name was Max Rick. Well, that's where he got his name from. Says here that uh, it was criticized for containing violence and sexual innuendos. It was a good movie. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer made a, a great Catwoman. Uh, Danny DeVito's character. Um, the way they made Penguin, um, too, uh, too gross. Um, I don't know. Uh, 
If you've seen the comic books, which I'm sure you have, and you saw the TV series, Danny DeVito's Penguin did not look like Penguin in, uh, at all. I mean, <laughs> kind of, uh, gross, if you ask me. It was a good movie, but, um, the character of Penguin, well, Tim Burton has a dark sense of humor anyway, so, I didn't really care for his character. I like, you know, what the character looked like. Okay, moving on. Three years later, we have Batman Forever. That starred uh, Val Kilmer. Um, Tim Burton didn't do this one, so it was Joel Schumacher, who directed this. Val Kilmer was Batman. Uh, Chris O'Donnell was introduced as Robin. Jim Carrey as the Riddler and Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face. And then uh, Nicole Kidman played uh, Chase Meridian. Uh, she was a psychiatrist. It was a good movie. Um, I liked it. Um, you know, I'm not, that was good, the, the, the plot was good, the movie was good, everything was good, um, I enjoyed it. Next, two years later, Batman and Robin, 1997, uh, Val Kilmer, now returns Batman, so they got George Clooney to play Batman, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze, and Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, and Alicia Silverstone played the Batgirl, and then Chris O'Donnell came back again as Robin. It did receive a lot of negative reviews. Um, they said it was too toyetic and too campy. And for homosexual innuendos headed by Schumacher. Um, I wouldn't agree. Uh, I didn't really care for it. It was kind of, uh, I don't know, I didn't really like it. For one thing, Batgirl does not have blonde hair. <laughs> and she was not Alfred's niece. Alfred was played by Michael Goff. Goff, I believe his name. And of course, Bat Hingle was then in all of these movies up to 1997. So, um, it just wasn't that great a movie. I didn't think. Uh, so we'll be moving on here. It looks like there's going to be another movie called Batman Triumphant for a fifth film. So the Joker will return as a hallucination in Batman's mind caused by the Scarecrow's fear toxin. Harley Quinn appeared as a supporting character written as the Joker's daughter trying to get revenge on Batman for the Joker's death. 
Mad Hatter, uh, also a supporting character, with written with a similar story of Edward Nigma and Batman Forever. Uh, but since Batman and Robin had negative reviews, they didn't make it. So, so they did. They decided to make a live-action Batman Beyond film. But they were going to see failed. Warner Brothers was unsure of their plan for Batman Triumphant. The studio decided it was best to consider a live-action Batman Beyond film. Uh, anyway, so now we'll move on to. There's another one here called Batman Dark Knight. Um, during a vengeful confrontation with colleague Dr. Kirk Langstrom, uh, this is Crane, Dr. Crane, initiates Kirk's transformation to the creature known as the Man Bat. And Bruce Wayne becomes, becomes Batman, declares his name. Um, so that was another concept. There's other proposals, Batman Year One and Batman Beyond. Um, Batman versus Superman. So those are concepts, they're ideas, but they never came to be, if you might say. Um, So, we'll be moving on here to the Christopher Nolan series. Um, 2005 with Batman Begins, uh, starring Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne, Liam Neeson as Rochelle Ghoul, and Cillian Murphy as Scarecrow. And Katie Holmes was Rachel Dawes. It was a good movie. Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, Commissioner Gordon was played by Gary Oldman. Well, he was Commissioner Gordon until later on, but uh, so I should say that Gary Oldman was Commissioner Gordon. Uh, he was first Detective Gordon. And then later became Commissioner Gordon. So, uh, it was a good movie. Um, I liked it a lot. It made over $372 million worldwide. Since. So, uh, it also introduced a new Batmobile called the Tumbler uh, and a more mobile, mobile bat suit. Um, I liked it. It was a good movie. I liked it really good. I liked it really well. It was a great movie. Moving on. 19, 2008 was The Dark Knight. Uh, Christian Bale came back again as Batman. Heath Ledger as the Joker and Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent slash Two-Face. Um, Let's 
as you know, most of you knew, well, as you know, Keith Ledger died uh, from a combination of prescription medication. So... Uh, it was a good movie. I liked it. Aaron Eckhart, yeah, he became Harvey Dent in that movie. But he was killed off. So, it was a good movie. I liked it. It was a really good movie. I enjoyed it. I liked all of, except for the Batman, 1997 Batman movie. All the other movies I liked. Uh, from Batman to The Dark Knight Rises, which came out in 2012. So. Speaking of which, um, The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Christopher, I mean, Christian Bale again. Uh, Tom Hardy was Bane. Anne Hathaway, Selena Kyle, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt was cast as John Blake, and Marion Colatard was cast as Miranda Tate, who turned out to be Rasha Gould's daughter in the movie. It was good. I was kind of, uh, uh, kind of disappointed that that's going to be the last one that uh, Christian Bale is going to be in. And Hathaway made a good... They really didn't call her Catwoman. Um, but she did have the cat suit on. Uh, it's cool watching her driving the Bat Pod. <laughs> the Bat Pod was introduced in the Dark Knight uh, after uh, the Batmobile was wrecked. And also introduced the bat, uh, called the bat, Batman's flying vehicle. Um, so now, um, we'll see what happens. Um, there's talk about uh, a Justice League movie. Uh, It was rumored that Christian Bale would be back as Batman, but he said that he would not. He would, and he would do another film if Nolan was attached to it. But Christopher Nolan's not going to be attached to uh, this Justice League movie. So there we go. Cesar, John Gordon Levitt later revealed um, there might be a spinoff, but he said it was really the conclusion of Nolan's Batman series. Anne Hathaway said she would consider being doing a solo Catwoman movie if Christopher Nolan were involved in it. So, there's always possibilities out there. You never know. Uh, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Um, uh, let's see. Other movies. Uh, most of these were... Um, these are animated originals. The Batman... That was a TV series, uh, Batman Beyond TV series, uh, Batman the Animated Series, 
later became the adventures of Batman and Robin uh, TV series here's one Batman vs. Dracula one direct to direct the video uh, Justice League 2008 Batman Gotham Knight uh, Superman Batman Public Enemies Justice League Batman Under the Red Hood Superman Batman Apocalypse Batman Year One Justice League Justice League Doom and Batman the Dark Knight Returns uh, these are all movies that were it's going down the list here of, uh, of the cast of Batman of Batman movies um, it looks like Robert Swenson was I forgot about Bane being in that movie too in the 1997 Batman movie and also Ken Wanakabe uh, as Rachel Ghoul um, let's see oh yeah <laughs> um, I was reading some of the other characters like in the Batman movie Commodore Schmidt Lap was Reginald Denny Admiral Fang Slicer was Milton Frome, Bluebeard, uh, Alexander Knox, Robert Wall, Carl Grissom, I forgot Carl Grissom, in uh, Batman movie, Jack Palance, Bob the Goon, Tracy Walter, Eckhart William Hootkins, who was in Star Wars Episode 4. Um, Oh yeah, and Batman Forever, Sugar and Spice, Drew Barrymore Sugar, Debbie Major with Spice, uh, William Earl, Rucker Howard, the Batman Begins movie, Katie Holmes, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal was Rachel Dawes in the second uh, Batman, Batman, the Dark Knight movie. Um, Let's see. I'm just going through all these different. Um, yes, Kevin Conroy, excellent voice for Batman. I'm just looking through all these different. Now from Zimless Jr. Uh, did the voice of uh, Alfred in the animated series Batman. Bob Hastings was Commissioner Gordon. Uh, Robert Costin. Costanzo was Harvey Bullock. Talk for Harvey Bullock. Um, just a lot of. Oh, yeah, Mark Hamill. Talk for the Joker. And the animated series. I'm just going through the different. Uh, but anyway. Anyway, that is my uh, rendition, or I should. Oh, here we go. Animated, te animated television series, The Adventures of Batman, The Batman Superman Hour, The Batman Tarzan Adventure Hour, The New Adventures of Batman, Batman Animated Series, The New Batman Adventures, uh, Batman Beyond, The Batman, Brave and the Bold, yes, and there's a new one coming out called Beware the Batman. And then animated films, Mask of the Phantasm, Batman Mr. Free, Sub-Zero, Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker, Batman Mystery of the Batwoman, 
Batman vs. Dracula, Gotham Knight, Under the Red Hood, and all sorts, all sorts of different ones. So anyway, that is my little, uh, I guess you call it, um, review of Batman. There's still a lot of possibilities for Batman out there. Um, I think they're waiting to see how the new Superman movie comes out, Man of Steel. And if that does good, then they'll go on with uh, the Justice League movie. There's been rumor that, like I said, Christian Bale will play Batman, but it's not, that's not true. Um, there'll probably be a new actor who plays Batman. We'll see, just like um, the Avengers movie, uh, after they did uh, the other movies, Thor and Captain America and Iron Man, we will see what happens. So, once again, I thank you for listening to me uh, ramble on about my favorite uh, superhero. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, keep listening to our broadcast on Jay Zoman. And uh, thank you for listening to me. And I will talk about something else next time. I don't know what. But till then, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. All right. That was Saturday segments number 12. And that is the conclusion of our three podcasts for this week. Uh, come back next week. It'll be after the Christmas holiday, and we will pull three more Christmas, well, I can't say really Christmas time stories because it's the luck of the draw, but I'll pull definitely pull three more podcasts for your, all of your enjoyment. All right, this is David K. Montoya, and I'll see you next week for Flashback Fridays. See you then. <laughs>